What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mayalari. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone had a great break. My first time back in the studio. In just about a month now, I was in the studio right before uh, I left on like the last day of finals and the last day or two. So first day back in the studio, and I have a very special guest, my boy Dylan, who's been my boy since freshman year, biggest Giants fan I know. The kid knows all sports. So he's a sports historian. He knows everything about sports. But the Giants, that's what connected on right away, freshman year. He's from New York. So obviously being in New York, it's a great time to be a Giants fan uh, being from there. But I've been friends with Dylan since freshman year. We went through the thicket then of the Giants, of the worst days of being a Giants fan. Now we're obviously on to better days. Uh, so Dylan, introduce yourself. Say what's up to everyone. All righty. Thanks for having me, Joey. Um, I'm excited to be on. I've heard so many good things about us. So. I'm psyched. I'm psyched that you, that you came in the studio and me and Dylan get lunch every Friday. We talk sports like we always do. We just go in. No agenda. We just talk. Just talk sports. Agenda free Fridays, as they call it. It felt good. Maz, 985 is sports time. We've got, so, a little, we've got a little bit of an agenda today. We do have an agenda. We're talking giants. giants. We're talking Giants. We're talking Giants. We're starting with the Giants, of course. What a win Sunday. I, I don't even know how to put it into words because, honestly, I almost had a heart attack multiple times during that game. But I'll say this. We could start out with, with how good the offense looked. Because one thing, I know the Vikings defense wasn't good. The 31st in, in, you know, pass defense. I know they're not great overall in the year. You know, they're pretty low in scoring uh, a lot per game as well. But the offense looks so crisp. We look like a legitimate offense that's like a top five in the NFL, how well we move the ball. I know we're playing the 31st de- offense, uh, defense. I get that. But considering how good Daniel Jones looked and Saquon looked, that was the best games of their career. I know Saquon didn't have as many touches. He usually does like nine carries, but... What did you see from the Giants' offense in that game? I think, I think the defense was obviously a great thing to talk about as well, but that offense was so crisp. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff to talk about, and I think we should start with talking about the rushing attack. Like you said, we didn't really give Saquon that many carries, mm-hmm. and just looking at the box score, you know, it's sort of confusing, but a bunch of designed runs for Daniel Jones, which is something we really didn't see much of until this year. Yep. Um, a lot of Jones using his legs to get out of bad plays. We were seeing some that we saw a few times was Evan Neal uh, giving up pressure to yep. Daniel Hunter on that right side. Tough guy to cover. Yeah. yeah, which we'll get to. But Jones was navigating pressure well. He was escaping the pocket. He was making throws out of the pocket. Yep. He was using his legs to get first downs. I mean, I think basically anything you wanted to see Jones do, he did. Definitely. I would agree with you there. The one thing that I saw from Jones that was perfect, and he's been getting better at it every single year, is pocket presence and knowing awareness. Like you said, he knew when to scramble. And a lot of those weren't designed runs. He did have probably, what, 10 designed runs, 11 designed runs, right? I think it was uh, seven or eight. Seven, right? And then probably 10 scrambles, right? Because he had 17 carries. Uh, But he knew when to scramble. And I honestly don't know why the Vikings didn't put a QB spy on him after like the fifth or sixth one. Because I thought, like, at the end of the day, you, you got to realize, like, oh, DJ just keeps running. Like, you got to put someone on him. But I think it's because they were worried about the Giants doing crossing routes, which the Giants do a lot of. Richie James does a lot of crossing routes, Isaiah Hodgins. So they're using a linebacker in the middle of the field rather than probably using it as a QB spy. Uh, but Saquon. Saquon. What again, a game. Yeah, and just a perfect exhibition for what makes him special. Again, what, only nine carries on the game, I believe. Nine carries, yep. But two rushing touchdowns, you know. Dominating the red zone like usual, and I believe nine catches? Nine. It was nine carries for 53 yards, two touchdowns, five receptions. He had six targets, 56 yards. Five receptions. For Hodgins three. had all the. Hodgins right. had an unreal game. Hawkinson had the 10 catches. Hawkinson was. Right, once again, a threat for us to cover yes. a tight end, which that's been a problem now since freshman year. We t- it's been more than yes. freshman year, but I remember since freshman year, we were saying we have to learn how to cover a tight end, get a linebacker that can actually play yes. some defense and coverage. 
Um, but I love what I saw from Saquon. His first carry was a 28-yard touchdown. That was his long of the game. Had a burst in him. So did Daniel Jones. I know, and everyone that wants to discard the Giants says, oh, they only played the Vikings. Just like when people, when we beat the Colts on ESPN, oh, they beat the Colts. Yeah, the Colts weren't a good team, so don't get me wrong. But the Colts gave Justin Herbert a game the week before that. Herbert only had, I believe, one touchdown, maybe none. He also had a pick in that game. They gave Mahomes a game. They beat Mahomes earlier in the season. And the Colts also gave Jalen Hurts a game. So when the Giants beat the Vikings, there's always going to be people that say, oh, you only beat the Vikings. But the Vikings weren't a great team, obviously, because they, you know, their point differential, I think, was minus three. They did win 13 games this. They found ways to win games in close scenarios like this was. This a one-score game. This is the first one-score game they lost all season. Every one, other one-score game. 11-1 now, right? Yes. So... That's they the overperformed, but they were obviously a good team. They were a good I team. Mean, and look, look at Justin Jefferson. I mean, just their talent on offense. The weapons. Hawkins Jefferson, Cook. The, yes. I mean, and that's not to say they're on polls. I mean, their defense has problems. They're, I think they've already fired their defense coordinator. Yeah, they, 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 they're in They fired him the night yet, after, yeah. which, yeah. I mean, tells you where they are defensively. But they still have talent on the defensive side. I mean, they're a very solid team, I think. Definitely. It would have been, I think most years they're probably more of a 10 win 11 win team but this Giants team looked like a 6 or 7 win team coming into the season so I think this is a great win that's the thing and I always said this you know whenever the Giants were close to making the playoffs like in 2020 where we could have made it just being you know 6 wins and all obviously the division was the worst in the division that, that yeah, the NFC East but that year, I said, if we just get into the playoffs you never know what happens I didn't think that team was going to win the Super Bowl but I said if you just get in you never know what's going to happen that's why this year we were playing with house money, right? Exactly. No one came with expectations. Absolutely. Even in this game, we were still underdogs. Even though a lot of people took us as the trendy upset pick, we still were underdogs in that game. I believe we were really the closest. Yeah, was it, was it two and a half, I think? Two, two and a half. Two and a half, which was... Vikings, which considering they were a home team, that's a favorable line for the team that's away on the road, especially a wild-cut team like the Giants. And I saw great things from DJ. Obviously, passing-wise, 301 passing yards, that was elite. The two touchdowns was great. The one thing about DJ in that game that I saw was the ball placement was elite, too. Like, I, I, I only think maybe maybe one ball could have been picked. Maybe one ball is like, ugh, you know, throwing a double coverage. But besides that, everything was elite. That throw to Hodgins, that first yes. down throw was elite was, on the sidelines. I was going to say, I think we should talk, if we're going to talk about individual plays, that throw to Hodgins. He's in the pocket, faces pressure from the right side, rolls out to his left. Yep. Yep, and then throws on the run to Hodgins on the sideline, who makes the perfect toe tap. What I mean, one of the best plays the Giants have made, probably in the last decade. I would, I was gonna say Just that in, in completion, Jones made perfection. A great play. Yep. yep, the left side of the line held up long enough for him to get out. There wasn't then, a hold like there always is. No, and Hodgins did everything right. I mean, toe and, tap and, and yeah. secured the ball, even you know secured it while he's inbounds, and that was a huge play. Giants get the first down. And there was another pass by DJ. That was probably the, that was definitely his best passing. Probably his best pass of the season, considering it was you know across the hash marks, twenty five yards downfield, rocket of an arm too. Uh, but he also had a throw to Slayton that was dropped in the right corner of the end zone. It was a tough play for Slayton. He was getting covered pretty well. But that throw by DJ was right corner. I forget who was on him. Might have, might have been mm, Patrick Peterson. Might have been. I can't remember. I'm not sure, but it was uh, great. I remember the one. Great touch on that. And, uh, and he threw a great ball right corner of the end zone and. I believe it was Peterson broke it up and made a good play on it, but the the, the accuracy on that throw is yeah. only where it was either going to get tipped away and go out right. of bounds. It wasn't going to get intercepted. It was either a catch by Slayton or it just got tipped out of bounds or maybe went out of bounds on its own. Like, beautiful throw. And one thing with the offensive line is we did get three sacks in the game. Three sacks, obviously, considering what we've done in years past, the offensive line has definitely gotten better this year. It's still, DJ was, I think, the fourth or fifth most sacked quarterback in the NFL. But... The Giants actually gave him time to throw, and that's one thing with DJ is if you give him time to throw, he's going to rip yeah. apart the defense. So I 
I saw the stat, I believe it was PFF, said that he had around 2.9 seconds to throw, which doesn't pretty, mean very much unless you pretty unless good. you can compare it, but I believe league average is around 2.6, 2.7. Yes, so yeah. in yep. general, he had a lot of time to throw. And mm-hmm. where is it? He did have a lot of time to throw. He was only pressured on 16% of pass attempts. and That's pretty good because considering yes. Kirk was probably pressured more than that, Kirk, I'm sure, it was probably like 25%. Again, this is according to PFF. Kirk was pressured on 49% wow. of pass attempts. I was going to say like 25 because we last right. played them, it was like 25% or 28% maybe. I don't want to jump ahead and to talk about defense, but in Let's, general... We can talk defense. Yeah, well, sure. we'll get to it. Jones was pressured very little and... Most of that pressure was coming from Daniel Hunter against Neal. And even on, like I was saying, even on those plays where it was pressured, a lot of times because the interior line was getting enough space, he was able to move out of the pocket Definitely. or move up in the pocket and make plays still. And you're right about that with Evan Neal versus Daniel Hunter. I think that's probably the biggest mismatch between their D-line and our offensive line. And Neal actually got a little bit better towards the end of the season. He's struggling with false stops. He's struggling with some holds. And he opened wide a lot of the time. That's how he's getting yeah. beat. Uh, but it's kind of like the Andrew Thomas thing where Andrew Thomas is a rookie and remember that first game or two he was pretty good then played Khalil Mack and got ripped apart. Yeah. And got ripped apart. Yeah. You, have, you have some growing pains. Yeah, and I don't want to put too much of this on Neil because Daniel Hunter is a great pass rusher. And oh, pro. His at, times, and his yeah. attributes are the exact kind that match up well against a rookie. He's really fast. He's got really long arms. He's a big he, guy. He can just get yeah. around you in a way that most guys can't. Even Definitely. in the NFL. Definitely. So, but, and I will say this is the real concern, Next week, yeah, Eagles, Eagles, Eagles line. Who's going to be lining up across from Evan Neal? Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, who gave us what five sacks? Was it six sacks last six year? Six sacks against Andrew Thomas. Uh, his rookie his year. Rookie was, year. Yeah, it was rookie year. So, yeah. Well, we just ended up going into like let's just hold him and take the ten yard penalty yes. at that point, just so DJ doesn't get killed. So that's a real concern going into next week. But anyway, that is definitely because their D line's elite, uh, and that's probably I think they had seventy sacks this season, which was most in the NFL. Jeez. And, which is ridiculous, considering we probably haven't had 70 sacks in two seasons. We're probably, probably uh, around there at maybe. least. Probably around there, right? Yeah. But the Eagles were one of the worst teams last year in sacks. I forget where they went. They went from, like, I think, bottom five to bottom ten. I saw a statistic, like, a couple weeks ago, so I could be wrong, you know, with the end of the season. I don't know how to finish. But they were, like, a bottom in five sacks last year. Now they're 70th. Uh, not 70, 70 sacks in their first. Person, yeah. And in considering, you know, that big of a jump. I don't know how you can get that great of a jump. Obviously, health is part of it. I mean, Brandon Graham's healthy yeah. this year and they a added, couple of their other pieces. Fletcher Brad Cox. Barry. Brad Barry's a great piece. I believe they added Reddick in the Reddick, Reddick in the offseason. Yep, that, he drilled that. Um, Fletcher Cox is healthy as well. It's a big upgrade um, considering he was, he's was he been had some injuries. Still Fletcher Cox, still Brandon Graham. They're both still great. I mean, their secondary is always... Good enough. It's always here's the thing about the secondary. It's always iffy, but they make plays. So a lot exactly. except Slay is elite now. But Slay, over the Slay years, great. over the years, they have random guys that could just make plays, yes. like Jalen Mills and uh, LeBlanc. I forget. I forget his first name. <laughs> Frey Sean LeBlanc. I forget his first name. But I remember he covered Odell one game and actually gave him a tough game. Um, but that's the thing though with that team, the Eagles, is that they always give the Giants a game. The Giants have lost nine straight games, or I think believe nine straight games in Philly in the last nine years they played the regular season and. Three of those games, though, were more than one possession games, so six of the nine were within one possession. Right. So the Giants were in a lot of those games. They did have a, an occasional blowout, I think, once every couple of years. But considering where the Giants are this year and all the momentum we have coming into this game, I think the Eagles are definitely going to be worried about us, 100%. If you look at what the Giants have done, they've obviously beat a good team, the Vikings. The Vikings, minus three point differential. I understand it. They obviously weren't the best 13-win team. 
you know, obviously considering how many 13-win teams are, usually the dominant in points scored, and, you know, they obviously have a better differential than that. But coming and beating a Vikings team, playing with house money and having no expectations going into this year, and then also considering we gave them a game with Davis Webb at quarterback and Gary Burt yeah. running back and Kenny Gallard at wideout. Yeah, and, and I will say that, you know, it's tough to play a team twice or three times. I mean, this, is, some, this is something you see. It's like you play a team the first time in the regular season, and maybe it's a shootout, maybe, you know, however it goes. And then all of a sudden, maybe they recognize your tricks. Maybe that, you know, that play that got you the third down conversion doesn't work the next time. Things can happen. It's very tough to beat a team three times, though. 100%. And that's what it comes, I mean. You're 100% right there. That's a, Especially after the scare we gave them in the last week of the season. I am feeling optimistic. I would agree with you. I think if you look at what we did last week against them, we, we gained momentum in that Week 18 game because we're Definitely. playing all our backups. And by the way, the defensive back name is Cravon LeBlanc, not Cravon. It was Cravon LeBlanc. But shout out Cravon LeBlanc. Shout out Cravon. Probably the only shout he's gotten on the pod before, but shout him out. Why not? My boy. Uh, he actually played pretty well against the Giants one game. I remember that. But if you look at what the Giants did in Week 18, we were playing with no expectations. We were just playing yeah. second and third stringers for the most part. I mean, I think one guy, maybe two guys, Lawrence Cage did get some snaps this week. He wasn't a starter. And uh, Davis, uh, the linebacker, Jared Davis, did actually start for the Giants this week. But besides that, he was a practice sort of guy heading into that game. Besides that, though, the Giants really played all backups. Landon Collins did get some snaps, but he's you know been in and out of the starting lineup, and he's been getting some meaningful snaps. But the Giants played all backups for the most part. I think Evan Neal did play one series, maybe two. But we played with all backups. The Giants had nothing to play for in that game since we were staying as a six seed. The Eagles had everything to play for playing as the yeah. one, playing for the one seed. They had Jalen Hurts in the game. He didn't look right. I mean, he only ran the ball I think, three or four times. Yeah. I think it was like 13 looked, yards. He definitely looked banged up, and he wasn't moving well. Although we don't know how he'll play. It's been, what, two weeks now? Two weeks now. They so, s- I saw a report today, that which they're definitely going to say this just because they don't want the Giants to ever think they have an advantage by him stepping up. They said he's fully you know, cleared or whatever, yeah. which I think that might just be so the Giants prepare as if he's fully ready and they don't you know, expect him to be you know, just running three times because he's yeah. probably going to run more than that at 100%. If he's healthy, he's going to run probably eight to nine, ten times. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing he killed the Giants with before is his right. running ability. And that's the one thing with the Giants, though, is that they can also run the ball as well. You know, Daniel Jones. I know, obviously, it's different when you have a quarterback you have to game plan for, like, actually move. You know what yeah, I mean? So it's something they have to game plan for themselves. Uh, but let's switch to the Giants' defense. Unless you have something to say about the offense. I was going to say, no, I wanted to. Let's switch to the defense because what a game. I mean, I there's one play I want to talk about just to start. It was, I think it was the biggest play of the game on defense. Third and eight, a minute chance to go. The Vikings are moving the ball. They're on about the 45, their own 45-yard line. They throw about a 15-yard pass or a 12-yard pass on third and eight. Cordell Flott steps in the game because Jason Pinnock got hurt at the kickoff right before. Pinnock, out of the game. He's usually in the game during that because I think it's a six defensive back set, maybe seven on third and long. The Giants typically run with Wink Martindale's defense. And Cordell Flott steps in his first snap of the game on defense because he was on specialty. The first snap of the game on defense and breaks up past to KJ yep. Osborne, breaks up the first down and broke up all the momentum, making it be fourth and eight. Yep. I only want to start with that play just because I said to my dad, I said, I think that was the biggest play of defense on the game. I I think I would have to agree. There's only one other play that I could think of that would come close, and that was the deep ball to Jefferson. Yes. Which I believe was in yep. the first half. Yep. Um, they were doubling. I mean, Wink really put together a great game here. Did. Um, Elite. They had Adoree following Justin Jefferson all game, and they had McKinney up top helping him all game. And yep. obviously, choosing to double-team a player is a big choice. Sometimes it doesn't work out. I think here, obviously, it worked out. Justin Jefferson, regardless of what, you know, the numbers he put up this game, is 
one of, if not the best wide receivers in the game. I would say top three 100. I, I like yeah. Devontae Adams more, but I would say There's a couple two, guys three. Argue, like, that's the thing. No one's going to say he's exactly. below three. You're right. And it's a tough decision because, on you know, once you double a guy, you're giving them the advantage they need. And, you know, a savvy offense coordinator can pick you apart by making that decision. But I, it really did work out. I think he ended up with five it was, catches. It was with the Dorian coverage, only six. I think he ended with... It's seven for forty-seven on nine targets, and his long catch was ten yards. And he usually beats you on those twenty-five right. yard posts, thirty yard deep shots because he's not only can he make a jump ball play, obviously he can also beat you with his speed. I mean, he's just exactly. an all-around receiver. He beat you on cuts, whether it's a slant, a streak, any route he can beat you on. And the Giants held him to a long of ten, which is probably the most impressive. I think seven catches. I mean, he usually gets ten or eleven, but seven he's had in some games. Where he goes for seven for one thirty. Right. It's a 10 as a long. Exactly. And considering a Dory, which I saw PFF said, with a Dory in coverage on him, they lined up a Dory against him 85% of his routes for Jefferson when he was on the field. 85%, 85% of the time, a Dory was with him on his routes on pass plays. Held him to six catches of 37 yards with a Dory in coverage. Right. It's, that shows a Dory without him. Uh, without Dory, a Dory, the Giants struggled in that Christmas Eve game. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that was a key difference. A Dory finally being healthy. He's hasn't. Uh, back end of the season, I don't think he played any games. Nothing in the last six weeks. He did that punt return injury, and I think it was week 11. And it originally was a four- to six-week thing where they were like, oh, it could be on the early end of the four weeks where he starts practicing again. But we both talked, right, we had lunch, like maybe week two or three of that injury. We both said it's probably going to be a yeah. while. Yeah. And then McKinney as well, even. And they definitely and they played slow with both of them. They didn't want to get them hurt and meet definitely. those games, which clearly worked out. And, I mean, we made it to make some more points in defense – Things that I was seeing, just to bring it back up. Definitely, yeah. Uh, pressure on 49% of pass attempts. Uh, so normally, Wink's a very high blitzer. I think I saw I have right here, yeah. on about 40% of plays. It was uh, 46.5% league lead in the NFL, right. 46.5%, so roughly, yeah. That game, we blitzed 22% of the time. So we were, not get, we were getting pressure through blitzes, but... Most of our pressure was just coming through four guys pass rushing and beating them. And primarily, the pressure was coming from Dexter Lawrence Elite. and Leonard Williams, who Elite. played incredible. I mean, definitely. Dexter, I mean, about as much impact as you can have in a game without getting a sack, a fumble, an interception. Dexter Lawrence was everywhere. Tackles for losses against Dalvin Cook, hands in, in Kirk Passing lanes, yeah. Practically every every play and just to throw another number in there Kirk dropped back 40 times to pass and on 11 of those he was hit wow which I mean obviously you want to see sacks it's frustrating to not get any sacks definitely but he had hands in his face all game he was getting knocked to the ground all game I mean this is exactly what Wink wants to do he tries to make quarterbacks uncomfortable he tries to force them out of their comfort zone and into making bad decisions. And I think what we saw at the end was Kirk, you know, maybe not panicking, maybe that's the, not the right word, but... Rushing the ball off. Yeah, he was dropping back to his instincts. And look, he threw it short of the sticks. And I think it's easy to make fun of, but, you know, I'm sure it's hard to not look at that and think that the pressure was getting to him. Oh, 100%. And the Giants' coverage on that play actually was pretty good. It, it, was, it was pretty excellent, yeah. It was pretty good coverage, so I guess... And I, was, I thought, why would he only throw just to Hawkinson on 4th and 8 on a 3-yard route? Obviously, McKinney makes a tackle, ends the game. But I heard someone say, I forget, it might have been on the radio, 
that that might have been his only option because the end of the day, if you look downfield, all the receivers, one of them had that back turn, two of them were getting yeah. locked up, and Hawks was the only one there. So it was just like a, hey, you go, maybe see if you can get the first down, I, which the Giants had with Breida once in that game. I, I, I was going to bring it up. Third and long, Breida made some crazy plays. Yes, on what was honestly a bad play call. but Third and long dump off, right? It, it, was, a, a it was an end around with Matt Breida, which I have to be honest, I don't run end arounds with players. Like, that aren't that fast. Yeah. It, it's it, one of the most annoying play calls. We somehow got it, though. Which but was, it worked. Which was which awesome. Which is nice. Which I was just awesome. Hope they don't do it again. I think it was, what, like, third and four or five? And he, like, and it they, was actually just third and one. Third and one. I, was I it? That's it, what it was just third, third and, one. and one. It looked like a third and four. It was third five. and short, but, like, it was just like you saw the He did about 10 yards of work. And he had to. And he had to. I mean, he got the yes. first off, just unreal. He got banged a couple times in that play, but an elite play there by Breed, obviously, staying up. Breed finished the game, which. Three carries, eight yards. It doesn't look like anything crazy. But he had a good impact of the game on when you have to take Saquon or you put Saquon in the game with him, change of pace. Because yes. he's obviously a little bit more fast than Saquon. Saquon's a more physical back. He's obviously a bigger guy. Breed is more pass-catching back. Even though he didn't have any catches in this game. He switches up the pace. I think having him in the game with Saquon makes a huge difference. Even if the impact doesn't show up much in the box or three for eight, he made some big plays for Saquon. Maybe one play I think he had blocking for Saquon where they ran it like a double back set. Yeah. I like those sets a lot, especially considering because Daniel Jones can run two, so you have three yes. guys that can get the ball. Um, another guy that had a huge impact in the game, we didn't really mention much, Isaiah Hodgins, was, a, was in the practice squad of the Bills till week 10. Oh, right. I mean, just an incredible find. Uh, you know, I guess credit to Sean and to Dable, Dable. for knowing this, that this guy was a stud. Because he's been by far our best receiver since he showed up. I oh, 100%. Mean, 100%. And this game, he did everything. I mean, anywhere in the field, you know, catches in traffic, open catches, yards after the catch, just... I would agree with you there, yeah. Everything we've needed for on our offense. I got not afraid to block, too, because that's one yes. thing. Galladay actually had a great block in the yes, game. Yes, he did level that corner. Leveled him. That's the one thing about Galladay was I always said to you, I don't like his effort. Like, that's the main thing I don't like about him. Like, yeah. he's just never tried to block. Even if you're not making catches, you could drop passes... Evan Ingram dropped a lot of balls to the Giants, but he always tried to block. He wasn't a great blocker in any means, but he tried to block always, gave effort. Galladay, you'd see, just like have his hands by his side, not carrying yeah. a block. I think now he realizes, okay, this is my role on the team. If I'm going to get in, it's probably going to be, whether it's a fade route, he's not going to be running you know, crossing routes, probably, because yeah. uh, he's dropped a good amount of them, but he did get opportunities this year. Against the Texans, he dropped on the minimum of 50 to 20 odd gain, and there was no one near him on third and six, and he dropped it. I was at that game. There was a lot of booze around the stadium. Considering now, I think he knows his role is probably going to be short. He's never going to be the starting wideout, even though I know he was listed on the depth chart after that touchdown catch he had last week against the Eagles, like first practice of the week he's, last week on Wednesday. He's, he's listed, the one. listed as the wide receiver one, even though I think he doesn't he's play. the wide receiver five or six. Snaps wise, 100%. Right? I'd imagine because. Even Cager. Cager got I more. Not, I did not know was on a roster until yesterday. Or, uh, yeah. He got more snaps than he did, yeah. Galladay. Cager played well in that week 18 game, which it was really a throwaway game, so. You know, we weren't really showing any of our tricks. We weren't playing our best players. But KJ played pretty well in that, and Davis Webb also played well, yes. considering Webb had, I think it was a quarterback rating, like 10 points higher, way higher, actually. It wasn't even just 10 points. I think his passer rating was 10 points higher than Jalen Hurts. But he actually had a really good game. And I didn't realize until afterwards, after the game, so I knew it was his debut, like starting-wise. I didn't realize he didn't throw a pass in the NFL until that game. Yeah. Until crazy. that game, which is nuts, considering, I mean – he it was, was a drafted, meaningless game for us. He was drafted but, by Jerry Reese, who by has Reese. been unemployed, I think, for almost eight years now. Yeah, gone. Gone. Reese has been toast. But in that game against Hurts, 
Hurts had a 65 passer rating. Webb at 75.8. Quarterback rating, Webb at 73.9. Hurts, 23.1. And the Giants get pressure with Odex and Lawrence and, yes. and Leonard Williams in that game. And Aziz Ojolari is banged up with a calf injury, which yeah. I, don't, I haven't really heard much about him. I Hopefully he's all right. I saw Pinnock was back practicing today, yeah. so he's, he's good in special teams. Today was walkthroughs, and I believe Ojolari was there. Although I don't know. Yeah, they did walk. There was a light, you know, and probably stuff on the side maybe with him if he were to be out. But KJ on the game was 8 of 69 against the Eagles last week. And considering we really didn't play many guys, he was really the only option we had, especially a bigger guy. He had 16 as his long catch, as his catch for long, and 10 targets. So, I mean, considering Bellinger's a good tight end, but he's probably going to get you the 5 to 10, 15 15 tops plays. He's not going to really run a 20-yard post or anything. Cage has a little bit more speed, a little bit more athletic of a build. I would say he might get himself some snaps in the red zone if we want to do a two tight end set, have a fade route, have him run a fade and Bellinger yeah. run like a drag or something. But, I mean, that's just a guess here. But look at that Giants team, though. We talked about Hodgins, talked about Jones, talked about Bakley. I think three guys that earned themselves contracts in that game, I thought they were going to earn contracts already, which Saquon, I was iffy on. I knew Daniel Jones would get himself a deal by the end of the year, I thought. Dexter Lawrence had his 50-year option picked up. But you figured he'd probably get a long-term deal at some point. But obviously now it's more than I thought he was going to get. Saquon definitely earned himself at least a two- to three-year deal, I would say, which I don't know what he's going to want. That's the problem. That's, he, That's the thing. It's a very interesting case, and I don't think there's been many big running back deals lately. After the it's Zeke, risky. After the Zeke deal, teams have very much gotten gun-shy. McCaffrey's the only one, back. really, right? right. And, Kamara. And, even, and even him, I think, is they're regretting. The Panthers 100% regret it. That's why they traded because right. they were like, we're not I going mean, anywhere. And, you know, he's hurt a lot. Might as well get a couple draft picks out of it. And obviously, I mean, we'd love to have Saquon back. But it is a question of, you know, what does the number look like? Because we're going to have to re-sign Jones. That's we're it. we have to re-sign Dexter Lawrence. Lawrence um, is, is huge. I mean, I didn't I mean, realize, yeah. which I think we talked about this at the beginning of the year. And I was saying his sack total, you know, his career high in sacks, like it was three or four before this year. It wasn't much. Right. And we were saying to you, like, you know, he doesn't really get much. He, he, he pick up his fifth-year option, didn't pick up DJ's, which I figured they were going to pick up DJ's, but I thought picking up his, I don't think it was a bad move, but I just questioned it because I was like, you're already spending a lot of money on these other guys, and, you know, obviously Leonard Williams gets, I think his cap in next is $32 million, yeah. which is nuts, which is number one among defensive linemen in the NFL next year. But I didn't realize Dexter Lawrence was only not getting the sacks because Leonard Williams is getting all of those sacks. And now it's the reverse. But Leonard Williams only has like three yeah. sacks in the year, and Dex Lawrence is getting the sacks that he usually would get. Yes. And you were saying, Lawrence, you really can't base just off of sacks because he's great in the run game and run stopping. And I didn't really yeah. grade him on that at all. Never did. And honestly, what's so crazy about Dexter Lawrence, even compared to other defensive tackles, is like he is playing like a true nose tackle. Like he is, Running you know, the center. Yep. I mean, you know, even Aaron Donald, like who has been – has had probably the most ridiculous defensive tackle stretch ever Definitely. in the last few years. I mean, now he's starting to decline, but the last pr- prior to that, the last five years. It's the injuries part of it, too. He's been yeah. banged up now the last year. I, I'd agree not, with you, though. Right. I'd say the I best mean, even him, of, of our he, lifetime, probably. He was allowed, you know, right up there. he moved around a lot. He, he he would play zero tack. He'd play one tack same time as they yep. even lined him up at the three. Yep. But Lawrence is basically always a true nose tackle, and... You see what he's able to do in the passing game as a nose tackle. It's like 100%. ridiculous. And I also in the run game, I mean, Vikings rushed 16 times for only 61 yards. I mean, that is... It's impressive. That's a lot. And it's Dalvin Cook. I mean, this is no slouch. It's, it's a good, Dalvin it's a good Cook back. being locked down. He's a good back. Yeah. And, and he even, even got himself some money, too, on a, yeah. on a deal. So, yeah, it's another running back there. And that was got, that five became. times we were able to tackle him for a loss. 
Very impressive. I actually didn't know that. I would have probably said two or three. I didn't right. think five. Wow. Five. Which wow. just, and you know, I don't know if how many of those were decks himself, but... I think he had a couple of attacks. Maybe one attack for loss. Just the fact that he's on the field eating up a double team and getting through it so Leonard Williams so steps many opportunities. In, right. So Leonard Williams steps in, which... Williams, that's the thing. His stats didn't really show up on sacks when the Giants first got him until about his second year he got to the 10.5 sacks, but... He's, he's always been good in the run run stopping game. The Jets knew that too, but he just didn't get the pressure that he's getting on, on the Giants. And now it's the reverse with Dex is kind of getting that pressure that Williams usually had. And that's not a bad thing. Whoever's, whoever's hitting the quarterback, I don't care who it is, right? Like, I always want my boys to score touchdowns. I always want a goal to score a touchdown. I always want Brightwood to score a touchdown. I want my boys to score, Richie James. But whoever, I don't care. If the Giants score a touchdown, I'm not going to nitpick. Mm-hmm. Just like if you're going to get a sack, you're not going to nitpick who it right, was. Exactly. Considering our pressure was abysmal for this year, really. With, with Patrick Green, we played a little more conservative. We'd get some pressure, but it was more conservative. We never blitzed to the rate we did. Yeah. And now it's consistent pressure. You look at Kirk Cousins, he was definitely uncomfortable out there. Yeah. And uncomfortable for sure. I think, that, I mean, that's been the pattern all years that we've gotten high rate of pressure and low rate of sacks. And obviously, that's going to be tough, especially against the Eagles. The Eagles have really elite pass protection. Like Definitely. Whether Bernard or not is good. Um, and their right tackles hurt, though. Lane, John- uh, Lane, Lane Johnson is going to be playing with a, a torn muscle, uh, one of his ab muscles. Yes, yeah, I heard he was out uh, for the last few weeks of the regular season. Still, uh, Lane Johnson with a torn ab. It's probably st- still better than Devin Neal, probably. any other right tackle in the league. Than than yeah, I would, say, I would agree with you there. He's a stud. <laughs> and jo- Jason Kelsey, who was a first-team All-Pro. Still the best center still, in the league. Still the best center in the league. Probably a Hall of Famer. And the adjustments he makes, I mean, the center yeah. is great blocking-wise, but... He picks up, you know, your defensive coverage just like a quarterback would need to. He has an eye for the game. He's been in the league for so long, and he's been an all-pro multiple times. I'd say yeah. about four or five times, I guess. So. Um, but a very good player in Kelsey. And then obviously their offense in general, A.J. Brown. You look at their wideouts. Devontae yeah. Smith's good. Boston Scott has eight touchdowns, uh, ten touchdowns that's, against the Giants in eight career games. That's the scary thing. I think, you, you know, we've we've had some success locking, not locking down, but containing teams even with talented wide receivers. I mean, we just did it to the Vikings, but... You look at that right side of the Vikings line, or excuse offensive me, line. the Eagles' offensive yeah, line, and uh, the offensive line, they're yeah. just scary, and yeah. potentially we'll be facing them without Ojolari, which would be it's a loss. really tough. That's I mean, a loss. We'll see, but, I mean, that's going to be really a key matchup, because if they're able to get running on us early, it's going to be a very long game, because there's a real scenario where they score twice early, and then they just run the ball down her throat, and there's not much we can do about it. I would agree with you there. Because, I mean, running-wise, Cook's still at four yards of carry, which, uh, you know, still pretty good. I mean, he's a great back. Yeah. He can go for five or six most games, you know. A lot of the time, his speed takes over, and he's physical back. He's good. He's got everything you need in the back. Like Saquon. Uh, but that's the thing, though. They can run the ball with their quarterback as well, and obviously Kirk doesn't have that ability. Yeah. So it's going to be hard if, if in that situation with down two touchdowns, and they're running options with Hertz and yeah. and obviously their backs, whether it be Boston Scott or uh, the other one, Miles, Miles uh, Sanders, Sanders, who's another great back. Another great back, which Scott's definitely going to play. He's not going to get snaps against most teams as much as he's going to get against the Giants. He, just he's a giant us. killer. He is. He's, he's I, a giant killer. He's on their roster just to play us. I think it's like every game. I know he has ten and eight games. It seems possible. like it seems like they're all possible. timely touchdowns mm-hmm. too. Like we're all like you know you had no hope now. You know you're only down to touchdown. Oh, Boston Scott scored. His 15th touchdown in one, in two career games against the Giants. It's 10 in eight games, you know, to be exact. But in nine of the being on the ground, one in the air. So he doesn't really beat you on, in the air as much. But still, I think that's going to be a, a tough thing. I think the Giants' offense, it's definitely going to be harder to score against that Eagles' defense it's, for sure. I think we know that. It's going to be incredibly tough. I mean, we're definitely the underdogs. I mean, oh, no definitely. question. 
And the touchdown, really, right? Seven and a half, I think we are. Yeah. In Vegas. Which honestly feels generous considering we're going to Philly. D- definitely. In a playoff um, game where they're well rested, too. Yeah. Besides, they have a couple injuries, but mostly well rested. The Giants now have some guys banged up. Ojalari's yeah. banged up. I saw McKinney was limited today. Yeah. Uh, or Adoree was limited today. I'm not sure about McKinney, but Adoree definitely was limited today. I think Adoree's was probably just. He played just with every snap on defense last game yeah. and had to cover Jefferson, so let's just give him an extra day or yeah, two of yeah. rest. Uh, and he'll be ready. I'm not sure who will cover between Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Probably. I, I would imagine. A.J. Brown. Probably Brown. Because he's a little more physical than Fabian Monroe anyways. Yeah. And Moreau would – I'd imagine Donnie Holmes actually gets a little more snaps now, uh, more snaps yeah. now too because Moreau doesn't have really the speed to cover a guy like Devontae Smith. And Holmes actually played pretty well last game. He did have you know the occasional penalty, which he always does every game. But – Tackling wise, behind the line of scrimmage, I think he had two yeah. tackles for loss. Let me yeah. let me get that exact stat. The two tackles for loss, three solo tackles, six total in the game. I think he'll probably be in the game as well, getting some snaps against Devontae Smith because Smith will line up in the slot. Some doesn't line up wide, you know, on yeah. the outside. I'm not really sure what he lines up more. I'd say he lines up both. Uh, but you definitely have to play Donnie Holmes. You'll probably even get some snaps from a couple of your other guys like Nick McLeod. Um, but that's the thing, though. How do you do the Giants' defense? Face against their offense, and then the verse, vice versa, the Giants' offense versus their defense. I think, what, what would you say are you more confident for the Giants? Their offense against the Eagles' defense or the Giants' defense against the Eagles' offense? I think... I'd probably go the Giants' defense against their offense. I don't know, because I think, I, I think there's a real concern that they just tire us out. I think that, again, like if, if they're able to get them, especially if we don't have Aziz Ojolari... They're going to have a huge advantage on that right side. You're right. They, you know, if they break open a few pass plays early, you know, they force us to do a too high safety look. Now, all of a sudden, they could open up, throw Miles Sanders at us. They can do options. with. I mean, if Hurts is healthy, yep. it opens up a whole n- another wave of things that they could do against us. I think that's my biggest concern. Whereas I feel like even against the great defenses we've played this year, Kafka's been tricky enough where we can still make some plays happen. Definitely. You know, Saquon is always liable to break off a big run. And, you know. I'm with you there. Jones the Giants have the explosibility. I mean, yeah. Hodgins has the explosibility. We got the speed, exactly. but just as vertical, he can get up there and make a 30 yard catch. And then you have Richie James as the speed. Slane obviously has that explosive speed that you need. The big playability is probably the better way to describe Hodgins just because he can go up and make a 25 yard. 50-50 ball. And the Giants really don't have that in Hodgins, yeah. uh, no, did, James or Slayton. Did you see Hodgins, his foot? Yeah, dude. Uh, you oh see, the, it was all purple. It was purple yeah. and brown, all swollen. I, and he somehow went for 10 for 103 and a touchdown in that game, <laughs> which is nuts. Uh, and he said he – I saw his Instagram story. He's like, I'm sorry I wasn't as fast today. He still ran pretty good for a guy that's <laughs> ankle looked like that. His ankle, it looked like someone just hit it with a hammer. Oh, I 100%. Know, I don't know how times, I would say. I, multiple times. I'd imagine they taped it up pretty good. Even if you tapered, I've had ankles swollen, but not to that degree. No. You still feel it every single step. And I didn't play football. Mine was with baseball, which you still feel it in baseball. But football, it's you're running every single play, cutting, too. You're cutting. And you know, guys, you know, someone probably stepped on his foot at some point. Oh, definitely. During the game, game happens, definitely. It's... You get cleated. It's anything, baseball, football. You get cleated a lot. Whether you're standing a base in, in baseball or in football, you're diving for the end zone and it, whatever it may be, you're going you're gonna to feel. He's a dog. You're gonna feel I mean, he has, it's as simple as that. He has that He's in a him. dog. He has it in him for sure. Uh, the reason why I said the Giants teams I had more confidence in is just because the Vikings' offense is good. They have a lot of weapons. Justin Jefferson would still be the best receiver of the Eagles. Even the Eagles have two great receivers in Brown and Smith. Jefferson would still be their best receiver. Hawkinson would probably still be the best tight end guard. It's good. Not but at all. I'd say, I'd say Hawkinson would still probably be yeah. the best tight end. 
Dalvin Cook would be their best running back. I and here's the thing: I'm not saying I'm not comparing the two offenses to that degree because both teams can score points. But the Giants' defense played pretty well last game against the Vikings, and the offense. The reason why I think the Giants' offense, which I have all the confidence in the world of Daniel Jones and Saquon, I think the Giants actually still win this game, which it might be a hot take to most, but I think the Giants win this game. I had that as my prediction a week ago. Now, I think the Giants' offense might struggle with more just because of that pass rush. That's why I worry. Yeah. That's why I worry. I still think we can score points and win the game, but I have more confidence in the Giants' defense holding them to. 10 points that I would the Giants score. Not 10. Let's say yeah. 21 or 24 points. Yeah, that's fair. Then I would the Giants scoring 35, 40. Yeah. Which, here's the thing. Wouldn't we have more confidence in the Giants defense holding them under 24 or the Giants scoring over 30? I would say the Giants defense holding them under 30, 24. Yeah, that's I, what I would say. Yeah, Maybe I, under 30. I think. Under I, 30, over 30. Yeah, I think the Giants like defense holding them under this 30. This game could turn into a slugfest where it's just both teams like doing, you know, eight-minute drives against each other. A lot of um, run plays will, will do that to you, too. Which I think would probably be the, like, that's probably the scenario I see us winning is, like, we force them to put it on the ground and we tire out their defense. I think that that's definitely a possible scenario. Uh, I definitely think the worst scenario is, like, a high-scoring game. I just don't see us having a way of keeping up with them like we kept up with the Vikings. I would agree with you. If you want to win this game, realistically, you probably have to hold them to... Under 30, that's what I said about the Vikings game. Yeah. My prediction of the Vikings, Vikings game was 31-24 Giants. I was off by... 31-27, so I was off by three points. I had, had an extra field goal for the Vikings. But the reason why I said that is because I said I think the Giants will score just around 30. And I said if they want to win this game, they have to hold the, the Vikings under 30. So I'm just going to say 27 because that's the only other way you could score probably under 30. If, Honestly, more... Whether it's 28-29. Yeah, more important like, than the specific score or like how many touchdowns. I think really what it comes down to time time possession. Definitely. Something I want to make a note of. Time of possession in the Giants-Vikings game, 33 minutes for the Giants and 26 for the Vikings. I mean, we... It's pretty good. We really dominated time of possession. We Definitely. had, I believe, a 10-minute drive in the first half. Yeah. Which yep. is exactly what they wanted to do. You, it's exactly what we... We're on the defense. Yeah. And our defense gets rest. Right. The Giants defense gets rest in that situation. That was really key because I believe it was after both teams had scored a touchdown. 10-52, we 20 plays, 85 yards. Yeah. And uh, we got a field goal on that drive. Yes. Got a 17-7 lead, which we actually scored a touchdown, I believe, right? That was uh, the... Daniel Jones, 40-yard rush. the Bellinger penalty. Yes, illegal shift, which we get called on that so much, which I know they had two guys they, in They, do, they do a lot of crafty plays like that. It, Kafka has a lot of fun play designs, but unfortunately one of the side effects is like sometimes... Guys on called, set? Yeah. You got to I mean, that play was a tricky play. It, it was, was... I mean, the Chiefs ran it too. When he was at the Chiefs, they did that stuff with Travis Kelsey and stuff, but yeah. I didn't really see them penalize. Maybe I should have watched them in the games, but I feel like we're called in it always, which even if it's like a third of a second of a difference, which I know it's still an yeah. illegal shift, illegal shift's an illegal shift. I get that because the other guy's not set when, the, when one guy's in motion, but I feel like we're called on that, just like we're called for the illegal man downfield more than most teams. That's not a call it more in the NFL now, yeah. but we're also called for that the pick play more than most teams, I would say, too. I would say yeah. we're... Which I call both of those more. Call the illegal... Yeah. Man, uh, you know, ineligible receive a man downfield. Ineligible receive... I can't yeah. speak English now. Ineligible <laughs> receive a downfield are calling more in the NFL nowadays. And also calling the yeah. pick plays a little more. But I feel like we're penalized on it 90% I'm, of the time whenever it happens. I'm not sure if it's more than, or not. Um, I'm glad they are, honestly, because I think a lot of... A lot of what's going being called sort of like tricky and innovative offensive play design is essentially just finding the most legal way of doing picks. That's the thing. Especially That's what you're looking zone. for, the rub routes, yep. All those, like, so I'm glad they're cracking down on it. There are a couple times where I feel they've been unfair, the Cowboys game, 
But oh, that was brutal. That, that was brutal. That was, that was a touchdown one. right down the field, yeah. first drive in, in Thanksgiving. You're right. Yeah. Forgot about that. But I think the problem with the Giants, when they do get called for that, it's usually a big play, like a touchdown yeah. or a, a big play. And not always. If it's a five-yard play on you know, second and eight, you're not going to care as much. Second and 13's not great, but you get an extra play out of it, so you, you don't lose your five yards. When you lose a touchdown, the likely Giants weren't another touchdown over the years – you know, we, we cherish touchdowns over the years because we didn't really get many in the regular season. Obviously, now we're scoring touchdowns. I think the Giants' offense last game looked like one of the best in the league, just how crisp we looked. 31 points, obviously. We scored more than that against the Colts. We looked very crisp in that game. I know the Colts' defense isn't great. I know the Vikings' defense isn't great. I get that. But to win a game, you have to score points, and the Giants just look so crisp and on offense in that game. And no turnovers. And no, no turnovers. turnovers. No, no uh, I believe Richie James might have... Uh, right well fumbled out of bounds on a kick return, yes. which was it was it was wasn't even close to being inbounds. It was you know it wasn't like they could have returned. You know, God is on us. But a uh, clean game, not just. I mean, points are one thing, but playing a clean, complete football game, game definitely. I need a defense too. I mean, we didn't yeah. really have many penalties. Uh, which I know we played against Jefferson before. We had there, there was the one penalty that was <laughs> the roughing the passer, the roughing the passer, which we talked about today yes. in passing when I was going to class and, and you were coming from class. Dexter Lawrence on that coach, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. No. I didn't think it was that no. big of a deal. I mean, that's I, I don't think anyone thought that. Was, I don't even think Vikings fans thought that it was a roughing the passer. I think they acknowledged they got lucky with it. Definitely. Which, you know. There was outrage on Twitter. I mean, yes. Scott Zolak, former Patriot, and he, does, he has his own show now, Zolak and Bertrand on 98.5 The Sports Hub, was going off on Twitter about it. Yeah. He literally wrote at the NFL, you got to figure out officiating. Yeah. This is ridiculous. He's like, that's a that's a very costly penalty. He wrote all that on there, yes. which it was. I mean, it was the last drive of the game. Yes. It was win or go home for the Giants. Don't give a touchdown. Because we have a touchdown, they're probably going to go for two. We can get it without luck. Yeah. And what I will say is I, uh, all the credit to Dable because there were two plays at the end of the game that could have been real backbreakers. There was that play, and then there was the Slayton drop, which we had talked about a little bit. But either of those plays are – Moments where I think if a team is on their back heels and the other team is gaining momentum, those plays happen, and it, a colla- that's where a collapse starts. It's just over the years. One, yep. one bad play happens, the players get down, and then it's another one, and then they're got, driving down the field, and it's game over. All the credit to Dable that those plays, which basically happened back to back, definitely yeah. The drop, they punted, and then the second, second play, play on the, the drive was the fifteen phantom yards. roughing the passer call. I mean, they were, and they still rallied, which is not easy. It definitely. I mean, they were key plays for multiple guys in that drive. Dane Belton forced, I believe it was, let me see here. It was Dallas Cook out of bounds yeah. on a TI pass from It was a dump off from Kirk. And then McKinney, I know that play, you still had to get five outs, Hawkinson. But in years past, I mean, we, we've given yeah. up plays on fourth and eight, and you lose a game on that. Up, which I remember was years ago now. This might be 2015 or maybe 2017. We played the Cowboys, and... It was before the Dak day, so it might have been like 2015. Uh, we were still not a great team then. But the Cowboys were like the 12-yard line. I think it was like third and 11, uh, you know, in the 12-yard line. So right before they get a first and they had to get to the one. Or it might have been fourth down, like eight, ten seconds ago. They threw a touchdown to Jason Witten over the middle. And those are plays where he got, I think he got hit at the two-yard and he still gets in the end zone. We have had games where, like, they throw short and still get the first down or still get the touchdown. Yes. And that play there, I know, which me and my dad talked about, he still had a get five yards, Hawkinson, even if he wanted to, to get that. But wrapping him up, getting that play, not having a penalty on that play, especially, I didn't even mention that when I was just talking about it, was huge. And then obviously Cordell Flott's play on third down was yes. there on the 48-yard line with, it was a minute 56 to go and still had time, a timeout, I believe, and had a minute 56 to go, 50 yards. Yeah. Uh, so there was still you know time left, I think, 52 yards to go. But 
The Jazz did very well, had obviously some really good drives on offense, great drives on defense all around. It was collective football that was great. And yeah. even on special teams, which there was one play, they muffed a punt the Vikings, and yes. we should have had it. We both texted you. It's just how luck where it bounces right to It was a tough bounce. It was a tough bounce. A great hit. It was. Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod lit him up. Nick McLeod had a great hit. And that's about McLeod and Pinnock have both had to play regular snaps on defense this year without injuries. And they both played pretty good, fairly fairly good considering the midseason pickups. But special teams, McLeod's great. And then Pinnock, I even said to my dad, I was like, Pinnock not being there, especially is a loss because the whole year, I mean, you you learn how to get, you know, you get, you gel with your special teams group, right? So you know... One guy's going to go and try to hit it from, yep. you know, from going to the end zone. Who's going to save it? You you know, you gel and yeah. you obviously have a chemistry with those guys. So Pinnock being hurt was tough, but it seems like he'll be back. He yeah. was fully ready today, and I think it was an abdomen injury, which maybe just got a bruised ab or something. I don't know. It didn't look good because I saw him no. quivering and stuff. He, that didn't actually, look good. I saw they actually took him to the hospital mid-game and then yeah. brought him back for the end of the game. Which Did I they get him in there? That's awesome. I, don't, I didn't know they could do that. They right. got him. That's awesome. Right. Wow. I mean, it was a rib or it was rib and ab yes, injury. It they, was something. They originally reported that it was a rib injury, and I think I saw it was an abdomen injury when they said, you know, when he left the game, maybe, but or maybe he got to the hospital. But credit to the Giants, though, for taking and roughing the pass matter on second down, setting up the Vikings on the 33-yard line with two minutes and 30 seconds to go, and they, they rallied and played great defense. And after that, it was clean football. Yeah. Clean football. Um, Want to take a quick break, and then we'll uh, Absolutely. Be back with you guys in just a minute. All right. What's going on, everyone? We are back here. We're going to preview the games this weekend for the division round. Talk about the Wilds Cod games, maybe just for a second, and talk about what we saw in those games. Maybe we already talked about the Giants Vikings game. Cowboys Bucks, we just talked about in the break, which there's not really much to say in that Cowboys Bucks game besides, I guess, the Bucks are broken. I mean, it's, what would what, you see in that game? I think we were all afraid to say it, and I think I'm still afraid to say it. But look, just because Tom Brady is on a team doesn't necessarily mean they can turn it around and Time. It's not his I mean, fault. Yeah, not I mean, he had a bad game though. Him, you know. He didn't have the best game though. But it was sixty-six passes is I think the second most in a playoff game. I saw it, 35 yeah. 66, 351, two touchdowns and a and a pick, obviously. But that team's broken. The offensive line obviously the injuries. The secondary was banged up all year, but even with everyone healthy, yeah. it was not was not great. No, I mean moving Shaq Barrett going down early in the yeah, season did not help. Moving Todd Bowles to head coach just it didn't work. I yeah. Mean, Yep. You know, Tavel is a great defensive coordinator. I don't think he's head coach. I would I agree mean, with you. At this point. Didn't work out on the Jets. Didn't work out on the Jets. Isn't currently working out with a much more talented roster, frankly. And I, would I agree mean, with you. they showed up looking unprepared for this Cowboys team. I would agree with you. So, I mean, that Buck seems still has so much talent, yeah. though, on that defense. Levante, David. Um, Content Davis is good. White. Uh, yeah, exactly. Devin I mean, White, elite cornerback. Yeah. I mean, elite linebacker. And then yeah. you have... Really elite linebackers, I'm about to say. Then you yeah. have some good cornerbacks. You have still have a good D-line. Still have a good pass rush. It's just they would just... Vita Vey is good. Yeah. I mean, they were just broken, I think, as a team. Yeah. And, I mean, and at the same time, it's like... I think they've already let Byron Leftwich go. Byron Leftwich. Here's the thing. I saw a report today. They, they got rid of him. And then I saw a report today at, like, 4 o'clock. Well, they've made a decision on him yet. Which I think maybe is just like a... We, we don't want to make it, you know, have it Sorry. be a bad... So unconfirmed. Bad for the press. But I will say that. But he's going to be a fight. Yes, them and the, and the Chargers. We'll talk about them as well. Yes, let's do it. Bit. Chargers, Jags, talk about Both them. of them throw the ball a ton and can't run the ball. Yeah. Which I, you just can't do that in the playoffs. I don't know how else to put it. Like, they, I mean, look, we're looking at the stats right. right here. Look at this the running right. stats for we're looking at the Chargers, Jags game right now. Chargers only ran the ball for 67 yards. 67, yeah. And, and you look at the touches. I mean, let me see. I'm looking at the other one here. 
Ekwa, 13 of 35 for two touchdowns, 2.7 a carry. He's usually better than that. I mean, you're right. Yeah. And Herbert threw 43 times in that game. Yeah, and it's just... It's a good, it's a good fact to point these out. These are both teams that, like, not just, like, they don't... Not they don't have the talent to run or, like, you know, they don't have the offensive line to run. Like, schematically, they are not... They're not built for they, it. They can't run the ball for whatever reason. They're not built for it. And you're right. I, I think both teams are probably going to let their offense score. I think Lombardi's already been fired. Yep, yep. Chargers are making a lot of changes. Right. Like linebacks coach are fired and I would some other moves. I think Staley, Staley goes, I hope. I was going to say, I think Staley should go too, but it seems like they're going to keep him because yeah. Herbert likes him. Herbert and the walker room like him, which I mean, I think the Giants at one point, everyone liked Joe Judge after the first year. Although, you know, obviously the Giants weren't going to fire after one year since that team is not ready to win, but the Giants locker room like Joe Judge and then everything mm-hmm. turned. I think anything could turn a second. It just might be the media saying, which everything looked happy in the Giants after you know Joe Judge's first year. Yeah. Everything went up, you know, just trending upwards. And then midseason with the whole timeouts, never having a timeout, then getting blown out like seventy-eight to nothing yeah, in the last exactly. two minutes of the of the first half. And then also bad challenges and not being able to use time management, you know, clock management. Things change very quick. Maybe Staley stays up to like week three or four, and they lose the locker room. They cut him next year yeah. and fire him. I don't I mean, know. It, in that case, you would you'd want to fire him before that though, because you're not gonna find a head coach midseason. I would really hope they fire him. Um, right now, right? So you can find a guy to replace yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, look, it, he's a good defense coordinator. All of his defenses have been good, but he's just not, like, the game management side of it, he's just not good at it. Like, I, you know, he's gone sort of the opposite tack of a lot of coaches where instead of being super conservative mm-hmm. once he's hired, he's gone for, like, every fourth down. Yep. And it just hasn't worked, partially because his offense, it's, he runs a poor scheme. You don't have partially, the, yeah. partially just because he goes for it at times where it makes no sense. On your own and, 30 yard line, fourth right. and five. So even though Doesn't Justin, Justin Herbert had like, was what, like third in the league in passing? Yeah, passing, yeah, he was top five. He yep. was, you know, passing all over the place. That could, he turned that into so few points. Yeah. Because they he were. He only threw, I 22 touchdowns this year, right. Herbert, not many. I, I mean, it's. Maybe 22. It's unacceptable. Twenty-three, Frank, maybe. Considering how how talented that offense is, how talented Herbert specifically is, like there's no reason for that team to be doing how bad it did. Uh, Twenty-five touchdowns of Herbert on the passing, so that's uh, yeah. It's, it's for a guy that threw thirty-eight last year and thirty-one as a rookie in yeah, twenty twenty. It's it's ridiculous. so it is career low going into this year. Season low was thirty-one. He had twenty-five this year. And obviously, his picks were just as much as what it usually is. Thirty-one to ten is rookie year. Thirty-eight to fifteen is second year, and then now his junior third year. 25 to 10. So touchdowns went down. Interceptions basically stayed the same just about, uh, you know, right. ratio-wise. But you're right. I think I think they got to get rid of Staley. I'd say it was a collapse all around, though. The defense gave up five straight scoring possessions yeah. to Trevor Lawrence to end the game. Lawrence and the Jags were scoreless in the first eight possessions with five turnovers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence had an abysmal first half. But then second half, the Chargers only got three points. Obviously, they had a missed, kick, missed field goal kick, and the kicker actually only missed one kick on the year. Actually, the highest percentage of a rookie kicker ever that had over 20 attempts. He missed a kick. He never missed a kick all year except one kick. The defense lit up five straight scoring drives, and they're off until we could get three points. It was right. a collapse all around. Right, and, and just to go back to coaching, I mean, like we said, like collapses, like collapses aren't just what happened on the field. It's you have these inflection points where – one play goes the wrong way, and that leads to everything going a little wrong until it's, Definitely. you know, momentum rolling against you. And the thing is, it's like, how does that get started? Well, one of the ways it gets started is not running the ball when you have the lead. I mean, so That's it. That's the thing with the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Right. And they didn't, they didn't say aggressive. The, Keep your foot on the, on right, the pedal. We saw the exact same thing, except I think with the Chargers, they ran it even less. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, this is a 27-point lead. Like, I... I don't. I don't. I want, at half, I kind of want to move on. It's twenty-seven to seven. 
It's 27 to 7 at half. It's just, uh, how do you do that? Uh, that, that's what I think stays right. Just based off that game, no matter what happened right. in the regular season, exactly. bad in the regular season too, like situational football, obviously in clock management. But I, I think at the end of the day, you'd have to find him after that. I don't know. I mean, the Chargers have a really good roster. I have a friend that's Chargers, and I said to him, I was like, dude, the team's talented enough to win a Super Bowl. They have talented talent. Which me and you even talked. There. They have the talent to go to the AFC Championship. You even texted yeah, that you were right. They do have the talent. The defense, they got Khalil Mack in the offseason. Obviously, Jason yeah. Jackson, they got as well when he was hurt. Didn't perform as well as he could have before his injury. But Derwin James. Derwin James, elite, uh, got him healthy this year. Yeah, I mean, they're off. Uh, Joey Bose had a costly penalty, though. And costly again, penalty, they got the two point conversion poor, on it. Poor discipline. And it ends the game. They lose by one, and the two point conversion, they don't get that two point conversion. It's 30 to 30, probably, because they would kick the extra point, and yeah. you end up losing the game on that. A lot of blames go around. Discipline, I even think of. I even yes. think of discipline. You're right. You're right. Discipline's a huge problem, which a lot of teams that are bad. Have poor discipline most yes. of the time. It's not. Yes. You, I mean, talent obviously plays a role in it, right? Detroit, not a great team talent wise, but they're disciplined. Yes, absolutely. Obviously, Campbell's a great coach as well. The Chargers should be better disciplined. I didn't. Th- I never thought of the yeah. discipline part, but I did a post game reaction. That I did not mention discipline. Yeah, You're right, and the, though. And the thing is, it's right. like a lot of times, like, you know, when it comes out as the wor- at the worst moments, it's because of coaches and keeping their players in line. And You're that, right, and that's what happened. I mean, and I think Bosa was correct to be angry about the call. I mean, he was being helped. You're right. Yep. But the he was being held. Yeah, there was a false start of the play right. before I mean, on that play. He there was, was, bad there was, there was a lot going on. The refs were not great. But no, it was bad. It was, it was not great. I would agree they, with you. Yeah. The fact that you know you lose your cool like that and then you lose your get cool the penalty and they go for one. Really, it's like they go. They could have went for one. Yeah. Point, then they go just, for two. There's uh, so there's so much wrong to talk about. It's like you don't even know where to get started. One thing to talk about in that game, which we'll move on to another one really quick, but I want to mention Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, had a bad first half on four picks. To come back in the second half, there were four touchdowns, though, just shows how elite yes. of a quarterback he is. But he had yes. an abysmal first half. I think it was the most it passed, uh, most interceptions thrown by a quarterback in the first half that went on to win the game. It was four, wow. I think, in, the play, in a playoff game. That's crazy. And he ends up winning the game. Yeah. And that's and the other thing. The Jags did play a great game. A great Jags second half. Jags played a great game. Great Defense kept him in the game. Letting Lawrence make plays. And coaching. Yes. Doug Peterson versus Doug, Staley. Doug Peterson's Peterson, a great coach. Who won a Super Bowl and couldn't get a, a job anywhere else. Earned it. Earned I don't it. know how he didn't get a job considering it's, he's such a great offensive-minded head coach. Like, I don't know how you don't get him a job. Yeah. Which is nuts. But hey, it worked Ridiculous. out. Worked out. The Eagles didn't, don't have him anymore. Sam yes. is a great coach too. But yes. at least he's with Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan. You're a big Trevor Lawrence yes, fan. So absolutely. having a good, stable head coach on rather than having Urban Myers for the better, obviously. So... What a game there for the Chargers, obviously. Losing that game, bad game for them. What a game for Trevor Lawrence, what I meant to say. Seahawks-Niners, we'll talk about for one second. Seahawks gave the game in the first half. Yeah. I was proud of how hard they fought. Yeah, I mean, all you could say about that is that the 49ers are a ridiculously team. talented team. They're well-coached. Uh, there's not much to say. I mean, Brock Purdy's still playing great. Yeah, three touchdowns uh, in that game. Three passing Chris, touchdowns. You know, 18, Christian McCaffrey's great. Nick Bose is great. You know. Oh, the whole team. Debo Samuel. Great. Uh, uh, George Kittle. Brandon yeah. Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk's their second option. Maybe third option, basically, because McCaffrey's yeah. getting more pass out of the backfield. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk's their third option. Third option. Three for 73 out of the game. McCaffrey's two for 17 for a touchdown. But McCaffrey usually has more receptions than that. But the Seahawks are up 17-16 and a half. I think the impressive thing for them is, just like we talked about during the break and we've mentioned over text, the Giants playing with house money this year. Yeah. The Seahawks playing with house money this year. Absolutely. The Jags playing with house money this year. No one expected any of these three teams to make the playoffs. Yeah. I know I had the Giants in there, but besides that, like that's just because of a Giants fan. Yeah. I mean, if I was a Giants fan, you know, who no knows? No non-homer had the Giants. I exactly. Think absolutely fair. And the Seahawks, I mean, just being in that game, being up 17-16 shows. I mean, they have the right, which everyone knows Pete Carroll's a great head coach. But I mean, yeah. They have the right head coach to build around. Like, they're in a rebuild while winning just like the Giants are. 
and knowing you have the right coach when times are right and you get everything figured out, yep. that's a big, big add. And Pete Carroll, was, yes. his job was never really a question. I know they talked about retirement possibilities when Russ I, left. I, I think I think if this year had gone poorly, I think... They probably would have moved on from they, him. There's questions. Uh, but, you know, if anyone was confused, Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame coach. He's oh, definitely. great. Because he was getting questioned coming right. into this year. He, he was. There were definitely a lot of questions. There was. With, was know, it Russell Wilson right, that was it, he was winning? Right. I, I think it might have been the reverse. Russell Wilson might have well, been winning because of him. Maybe, maybe not, but... At least more. At least yes. more of the fact. Because Russell Wilson, at least, under Pete Carroll, played, cons- not conservative, but Geno Smith this year, I think, threw 29 touchdowns. I think it was 10 picks. Yeah. A lot more conservative football throwing the safer sure. passes where you're throwing yeah, into sure. you're gonna throw a fade route, you're gonna make sure there's not two guys, you know, double high safety over the top that's gonna make it, you know, two guys, which Russ threw into double coverage a lot this year and didn't have that discipline that he had under Pete Carroll yeah. throwing the ball wise. But I think main takeaway, 49ers have an incredible roster and they're well coached. I mean that that's the thing. When you look at that game, I thought the Seahawks would be in it, because I thought rivalry game, having to be a divisional game, it's gonna yeah. be close. I had the Seahawks being in it. I thought the Seahawks even made a pull out a win because of this. Which is crazy. Talent-wise, it's not close, the two teams. But I thought Brock Purdy being a rookie quarterback, he hasn't been in any situation where he's yeah. down by, like, two touchdowns and has to make a big play in the second half. He hasn't been in any of those games because he's been up for the majority of the games he's played in. For sure. So that's why I worried about him. But he did prove me wrong. One guy that did prove me wrong, which we'll, we'll stay with the Niners. We'll, we'll, we'll cut back here to the Cowboys in a second. But Dak Prescott proved me wrong. But in that game, at least, that was one game of Dak Prescott. But I had no confidence in him going into this game, really. And he proved me wrong in that game. But what were you going to say about the Niners? I, didn't, I mean, I didn't there's not much to say, more to say about the Niners. I think just that elite. Any, you know, they're, them, and, them and the Eagles, I think, are on a whole other level. Offense, defense, talent in every position. Coaching. coaching just well-coached. There's a reason they're one seeds. Which, Discipline, course, right? Too. Very obvious, but it's all true. The talent's there on both rosters, you're yeah. right. Um, and Dak proved me wrong in that game. Played very well. Actually threw four touchdowns. Actually had a rushing touchdown as well. Five touchdowns in that game. Uh, and no turnovers, which I know his last game of the season against Washington, he struggled heavily in yes, that game. Yes, Did not look like Dak Prescott. And his last couple games to finish the season. Um, another game, though, Dolphins-Bills. Uh, a real head-scratcher. Uh, the Dolphins, I didn't really give much of a shot. I thought maybe, I said I said to my sister's boyfriend, uh, Mike Curley, I said, I think maybe they keep it close in the first half, maybe be like 21-14 at half. Like, and then they pull away in the second yeah, half. Yeah. I didn't think come fourth quarter it would be, Dolphins with the ball and just they're screwing yeah. around trying to get the play call in, which a lot of people criticize this guy with Thompson and, and Mike McDaniel. Here's the problem. You have 40 seconds to call a play. This is a quarterback that's never started a playoff game. I think it's only a second career start. Yeah. And also repeating the play, hearing it in your headset, knowing what the play is in a loud, cro- loud crowd at Buffalo. Obviously, the Bills Mafia is going nuts. Yeah. Hearing the play and having to repeat it and also make sure everyone's set up. That it's, it probably takes you a minute, realistically. And he has to do it in 40 seconds. The clock starts running the second the guy goes yeah. down. You know, the, the, the previous play ends. So, head-scratcher, obviously, but what did you see out of the Bills, obviously, in their comeback pursuit? They they start on the second half with a strip sack, yeah. and the, the Dolphins took the lead. Yeah, I mean, I think what it, you know, it's like, this game showed us the best and the worst of Josh Allen, because it's like, on one hand, like, he is prone to these plays that... Turnover plays. Turn, like, plays Two that, interceptions, three fumbles, right. one of being lost. We had five potential turnovers right. with three Risky turnovers plays, in Risky plays, holding onto the ball too long, but on the other hand, he's Josh Allen. He can make throws that only a couple other guys can do. Off his back foot. He can run like a running back. I mean... He, and run like a tight end, too. Yeah. The build of a tight end, but the, 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 the running ability of a running back. I, I'll, I'll say this much. It was very impressive from the Dolphins that they were to keep it close. And it was impressive from the Bills that even though they had a bunch of plays that really didn't go their way, 
just agree. unlucky bounces with fumbles, stuff like that. They Definitely. were still able to, they were able to rally and they were able to get the win. And wins a win at the end of the day. Yes, and that's what it comes down to. And all I'll say is like, as long as they tighten up their game, I still feel confident with uh, picking them against basically anyone. I would. I, I like that team. I like that roster. Um, and here's the one thing about that game, which if you look at the box score, right? I'm looking at the box score here. Skylar Thompson, 18 of 45, 220, a touchdown and two picks. You look at that and you'd say, wow, he had a really bad game. 18 of 45, only one touchdown and two picks. That is an He that actually is didn't play bad. No, I, I will say. The line's not good. The line's not good considering at all. Considering the circumstances. The stat line is not good. Considering the circumstances of uh, playing your first playoff start. At Buffalo. At that Buffalo pass against the Buffalo. Like that, with Jamin Waddle and Tyreek Hill dropping three big yeah. balls in the first quarter. I mean, quarter. that's real. Honestly, that's really the story. Is like <laughs> Jamin Waddle didn't show up. He, one catch for eight yards. Yeah. Run, one rush for eight yards. And then three catches for 44 yards. And. I think all of them came in the second half. Yeah. Maybe even the fourth quarter for the top of my head air. It was definitely third quarter and fourth quarter. A lot, a lot of costly drops. And, I mean, that's really – for both sides, this was just a, a very mistake-heavy game, which maybe was the weather. I don't know. Was it, like, particularly I'd say cold? weather and then – I don't know. I, I would say weather and also probably realistically their expectations going into this game the Bills are going to blow them out. That's so true, too. when you're playing as an underdog – Playing with yeah. house money, again, yeah, the Dolphins had no you expectation about Tua. You play scrap. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a divisional game, once again – the Bills did give up seven sacks. That's probably yes. a worry, I would say. That that is a wor- although the Bills passer. I mean, the Bengals passers isn't elite. I mean, Trey Hendrickson's good, and BJ Hill actually gets to the quarterback a lot more than they did yeah. with the Giants. We're, we're a big fan of BJ Hill. BJ yeah. Hill is solid. I mean, you know, <laughs> trade him for Billy Price, which we need a center at the time. But all in all, though, I think the Bills probably. Which I'm going to pick the Bengals this game just because I like Joe Burrow more than I like Josh Allen. There's nothing against Josh Allen. I I love Burrow. I'm a big Burrow fan, so I like Burrow in this game, but. I, if I was betting money, I'd probably go with the Bills. But sick of the podcast, and I'm just talking, so no money on the line there. I can say, I can say, we're I not like the saying Bengals. we're betting. No, we're not but betting. But if you, we were to bet, yes, we'd be going. He'd be yes. going Bills. I'd be going Bengals. Uh, I'd be going fans. Fan wise, I'm going Bengals. If I were to be betting, I'd probably go with the Bills, especially because the Bills have a better offense and defense all around. In the Bengals, which we were talking about in the break, Jonah Williams, their starting left tackle, yes. is banged up and actually. I could miss may this not game. play, and I believe they've lost their left guard and maybe the right tackle as well. Lyle Collins over the air. Yep. Yep. They're, they're having injury troubles on an already not that talented offensive line. I mean, it's going to be very tough going against the Bills, who have one of the best pass rushers in the league. Definitely. I mean, just in the trenches is where most games are won and lost, and the Bills are going to roll over them. The, the then again, one. anything can happen. It's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They've made magic happen before. Definitely. It's going to be great for sure. It's going to be high scoring. I read a report here. Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals, said Jonah Williams, he suffered a dislocated kneecap injury in that game on Sunday against the Ravens. He couldn't walk, nor could Alex Kappa, their starting right guard, could not walk without resistance on Sunday. I don't know, I don't know how either guy's going to play against a ferocious D-line in any game. I mean, even if they're playing against a worst team in the league, just playing an NFL game with That's... a, a, a so, a dislocated kneecap, you're not going to be at your best. Yeah. Against a, a defense that only got four sacks against the Dolphins, O-line, which isn't that great besides Toronto Armstead, which is better than it was you know, over, over the last few years. But considering they're going against, up against an even better pass rush now, an even better defense all around. It's going to be tough for them. But, again, yeah. it's like this is not nothing new for Joe Burrow. As long as he's been in the NFL, he's been playing with pretty mediocre lines, and he went into the Super Bowl. Anything can happen. Definitely. I'm still picking the Bills. I'll go Burrow in this game. <laughs> just got the Bengals in my bracket too before. So I'll stay, I'll stay consistent with them. Their offensive line is a, is a worry. But they did go to Super Bowl, like you said, even with 
the yeah. worst offensive line. One of the worst offensive lines in football. I forgot where they ranked, uh, you know, 1 through 32, but they were one of the worst in the league. Uh, and obviously, Jonah Williams is a big loss. I mean, he's been yeah. consistent for them over the last few years. He missed his first year with an injury, was drafted, I think, with the torn ACL, and then ended up playing his next two or three years. Even with the injury, played pretty well. Um, yeah, after game the injury, game. I meant to yeah. say, played well after the injury. And usually, torn ACL, you don't really come back the same guy. And he came back. The, the yeah. best offensive lineman, Leo Collins, is pretty good too, but he's out as well. Uh, so I'm going to root for the Bengals in this game. I do like Zach Taylor. I like Joe Burrow. Uh, shout out to my, our family friend, Timmy Loftus. Uh, my family. Uh, has the best friends in the cave, the bestest of friends. Shout out to the Key family as well. You guys are always listening. I appreciate it. Uh, Timmy Loff is a big Bengals fan because he likes Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. I am with him. I am with him. So shout out to West Dennis as well, uh, the cave. Our, our place in the cave, West Dennis. Right, right. I give a, give a few quick shout outs. He texted me live, <laughs> so I had to. But um, that's the thing. Though. I like the Bengals. I like Zach Taylor. I like Joe Burrow. I'm going to go with the Bengals. I also do like... Which the Bills' secondary isn't that great. Davis White's not playing as great, and the Dane Jackson got banged up that's in the game fair. last week. You're looking at Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. It's with Joe Vixen. I mean, it's going to be a game. It's, I think a, scary, it's, going to be a, high it's scoring a scary game. group. Yeah. But if you had to pick, you'd probably go Bills. Yeah. I'd go Bengals. And that's, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone falls either person no. picking either way just because they're both great teams. I'd yeah. say the Bengals more health, uh, the Bills are healthier and obviously have a better team all around, yeah. I would say, offense defense. Advantage, which I is think, big in this game. Yes, yep. especially. No one wants to travel to Buffalo. No. I mean, look at what happened. The Dolphins couldn't even hear a play. They couldn't even get the yeah. play call you know, down because – it's tough to uh, hear in that environment. Uh, another game we have to check out here is the one last game here. We had divisional game we had to talk about. Ravens Bengals. Last Ravens, give, we'll give a quick second. We, we were just talking about the Bengals. Ravens getting the game. Uh, yeah, I don't. The, the turning point of the game was Tyler Huntley. They're on the one yard line. You know, it's a 17 yeah. 17 game here. Tyler Huntley tries to go over the top on the one yard line. It's about the one and a half yard line. So it's about too far out, maybe, to try to go over the top and dive. Tries to go vertical and dive into the end zone. Gets hit. Sam Hubbard picks it up. Returns it for a touchdown. Bengals win the game 24-17. That was a turning point in the game yeah. right there. And I, I, there was 14, no you couldn't recover. 14-point swing or 10-point swing. 10 points, 14-point swing because 7 versus 7. Or you right. would have got a field goal, right? You yeah. Have gotten, I mean, right. two-score two swing, it. I mean, that's it's a backbreaker. You're um, right. And it, it was late in the game. It was fourth quarter. No, yeah, nothing against Huntley. I think he's a fine backup. But I think at this point it's a little concerning that Considering Lamar's play style and the fact that this is not the first time he's been injured, yep, they should pro- they probably have to find a, someone who's like that could step in a legit degree. play, yeah. And especially since I don't know, Huntley's he's a free agent after this year, I believe. Right, and he's not and like so a, Lamar, both. and he's not a great runner either. No, I mean like, he's he's got he's got a little bit. And he's not Lamar. He, he went nine of fifty four in this game, but he's right. not like elite. He's not going to make yeah. you miss. Not, and obviously, like Lamar. you're, you're going to be limited by you know what, what backups can run and pass, but definitely. He's not an elite, right? He's good. He's yeah. mobile quarterback, I would say, but he's definitely not uh, He's not an elite runner. I mean, he's not a 54 in this game, but he's not. he doesn't have the speed of Lamar Jackson. Doesn't even have, I would say, the cuts of, you know, the decisiveness of Daniel Jones knowing when to cut yeah. in and out of go out of bounds, all that. Well, I, DJ I, didn't actually I will say that after the game, there was uh, a lot of uh, discontent coming from the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins. Yes. Which running I, back was I think entirely upset. fair. Um, Dobbins, great running back. How many carries? 13-62 uh, in the game. Also added in four catches of 43 yards and a touchdown. So 17 touches for over 110 yeah. yards plus I mean, a touchdown. In a game like that, uh, yeah, I, I agree with him. And I don't know. I like Harbaugh. I think he's a good coach. I like him a lot. I respect um, him. I I don't know. Like Greg Roman, their offense coordinator, Like he's good at making these offenses for running quarterbacks, but it does seem like he gets figured out. And I think at this point, like... 
Is he going to be fired or did he get fired? I, I don't think know. They're talking about it. I don't know. Because, <sighs> they were talking about it for sure. I did see a report they were talking yeah. about it. Yeah, he's still there. Yeah. He's still there. I, I just think at this point, the Ravens have kind of hit their ceiling. You know, I mean, even if Lamar was healthy, it's like maybe they win this game. But, like, they're not the. I think at this yeah. point, they're just not contenders with this current. With this current coaching and talent and whatever. It's hard to say because I'm a huge Lamar fan. It's yeah, hard to say, I, but it's I, just a reality it's, situation. It's not even it's a knock against Lamar. It's, it's like, a reality situation. It's yeah. a team. They don't have any receivers. I mean, their best receiver is uh, the wide receiver um, that is – they drafted him two years ago. Uh, it wasn't Duvernay. It is – I'm trying to think of his name here. I don't know why. I, here's the thing. When you try to think of a random player off the top of your head, yeah. you do struggle. Um, but that's the thing. They don't really have a number one receiver. That's the one thing Lamar needs. Uh, and that's one thing they've been missing for years now, is a receiver, a legitimate number one right. wideout. They're going to get that now that Lamar's a free agent. They're going to say, hey, we're going to get, I don't know, a guy right. like, I don't think the Raiders would trade Devontae Adams, but Devontae Adams, I don't know. No. And I, and now it's like, what, they, you know, maybe they find a guy in the late first round? That's probably it's what they're to do. But, I mean, they haven't tried in the past, so I don't know. I'm... We'll see. That's probably what we have to do, right? Draft a guy late? They probably have to draft. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that are going to be gunning for wide receivers this year. And the pool is pretty thin. I mean, there's a couple top guys who are great, but the pool is pretty thin. I don't want to talk too much about yeah. draft. Yeah, which we will talk to you after yeah. at some point. At some uh, point. At some point, we'll, we will get into draft talk, of but, course, as uh, we always do. I think the Ravens have a lot of problems there. I think they're a talented roster, but they've got a lot of obvious problems. Rashad Bateman is their number one. Rashad he was out. He wasn't even in the game. So I, I like Rashad Bateman. He's got some builds. He's a big guy. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, which... My uh, friend Timmy just pointed up, traded Marquise Brown, too. Marquise Brown is... Yes. That was another piece. I was like, that was their number uh, one. He's not really... Num- he's, I don't know. At least in Lamar, he probably needed a, you know, I mean, a better number one. I, I he's think, not a bad I one, think if you're looking at Rashad Bateman... He's a two. ...and Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, I think that as a whole is Andrews, enough. factor that I mean, Mark right. Andrews being one of the best receiving tight ends definitely helps. But, like... Definitely. they got to get more options. He's not Pat Mahomes and... Uh, Mark Andrews isn't Kelsey. They don't have that connection. They have a good connection. Right. They have a good connection. They're probably second, but, third best, but, but it's not like... It's not number one quarterback to number one tight He's not open every play, it's, too. Mark Andrews gets open, but Kelsey, yeah. it seems like every single play is open. Yeah, Kelsey's on home... And it seems like they were trying to, like, thinking, oh, well, you know, we have a shot Bateman. You know, we can afford to give up Marquise Brown. We still have Mark Andrews. You know, look at what Kansas City's done. And it's like... And it just... It's not comparable. It's not. I mean, Kansas City got Marcus Valdez scantling and also Juju, which... Marcus Valdez-Scantling was probably a three on the package, right? And he probably still is at three or four not, on the Chiefs. Uh, but Gokadaris Tony, they did build around Mahomes. It's Pat Mahomes. You it's lose help, but you get three receivers. Nothing is Lamar Jackson. He's just not Pat Mahomes. Is anything Pat, Pat, Pat Mahomes, too? That's another thing. I ranked all the quarterbacks. Mahomes, it's just like I had Mahomes as my number one quarterback in the playoffs going into last week. So I ranked all 14. I had Mahomes at one. I believe it was Burrow at two. Lawrence at three. But I think I think even though Burrow's so good, I, I think Josh Allen's good. I think obviously Lawrence is good. I think Mahomes is just on a different level. I don't. I, it, I think it's different. He it's different. It limits mistakes. He never throw four interceptions in a yeah. game. At least like Lawrence, and he probably wouldn't have five potential turnovers like Josh Allen oh, no. did. And Joe Burrow, which Joe Burrow just doesn't turn the ball. He's not really turnover prone. No, but, but like I mean, it, first game of the but, year, four but Joe turnovers. Burrow can't do the same things that Mahomes can do. Exactly. I mean, that's what it comes. I mean, he's got pretty elite arm strength, but like. I think Mahomes, Josh Allen, and maybe Herbert are in like a different tier. Sure, Lawrence, Armstrong, Armstrong maybe, too. Maybe Lawrence. Lawrence as well. Lawrence is getting there, which he doesn't really yes. in and out enough in the NFL to throw like those seventy yard balls. Which, I mean, the offense really has been those twenty yard chunk plays, thirty yeah. yard chunk plays, trying to throw you know twenty right. yards downfield but, to Lawrence. But you know, and, Lawrence to uh, Christian Kirk. But anyway, to wrap it up, Ravens have to make some changes. Bengals still a very scary team, despite their obvious 
polls and personnel. Definitely. I would agree with you. So we'll give a quick uh, rundown, just the four games, say what we got. Jaguars, Chiefs, who wins this game? Probably got to go Chiefs, I'd imagine. Right? It's it's hard to argue against the Chiefs. Jags looked great last week. I mean, they're, they've got a lot of young talent, Definitely. especially on the offensive side. I mean, they're a scary team. With that being said, the Chiefs are a juggernaut. Andy Reid is a great coach. I just finished praising Pat Mahomes and Kelsey. I mean, they're just, I don't know, they're just on a whole nother level these last few years, and I'm not going to bet against them. I'm going to go Chiefs in this game as well. I think most people, 99% of people are going to go Chiefs, and 1% probably Jaguars fans. I think the Jags can keep it close. And I, as I said, I prefaced with this during the break when I was talking to Dylan. I said I'm probably going to go them keep me close just on the big Trevor Lawrence fan. I want to root for him to be close yes. to that game. But I think it could probably end up being – it'll probably be high scoring considering the Chiefs offense is really good. And the Jags probably – if the Jags want to win this game, they're probably going to have to score over 30 points, right? You'd imagine because yeah. the Chiefs I think, have to score I think it would really require like timely turnovers like – in, in probably a big play or two yeah. on special teams even where you yeah. get an advantage there. Uh, and special teams sometimes the difference maybe between a team that's an underdog, yeah. which you get Absolutely. a big play, a big kick return, something, or a fumble or a muff punt. Uh, I'm going to go the Jags losing this game, even though I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan. I think yeah. you just got to go Chiefs in a closer game. I mean, I think it would be closer, though, than most probably and you know give what? it. Uh, shout out to tra- uh, Travis Etienne. Uh, yeah. I was a, a little bit of a hater. Uh, he's proven me wrong. Stop running back. I did not think he would be worth the first round pick and I'm pleasantly surprised to be wrong he's been very good this year I hope great. he keeps doing well he's a great back he's a great back and I think the one thing with him is that chemistry he had with Absolutely. Lawrence obviously I, in college it is funny that there's been like this trend of guys who played in college being drafted together now it's very funny Jamal Chase and Burrow it works yeah like Tua and Waddle and, hey like, you're seeing that in this yeah, AFC weekend it works here. apparently in the AFC divisional round you're seeing both of those teams the Bengals obviously and the Jags drafting former teammates and it does yeah. work your number one player in offense based in college, I'd say ETN was probably that number one, even though Higgins was great, Justin Ross was good, I'd yeah. say ETN was probably the number one option for Lawrence, you know, running the ball wise at hands of the ETN. But ETN got a lot of pass on the backfield too. And then obviously Chase, which I don't you could argue Justin Jefferson was uh, Chase had more touchdowns, but I mean they were like Jefferson was they the were like one A, one B. That whole team was unreal. Stacked uh Derek Stingley in that team and the whole the whole team is just elite yeah. all around. All around. Uh so I'm gonna go Chiefs in that game. We'll say the Giants Eagles just to the end, yeah. uh, which we already talked about most. We'll just give one more quick recap. Uh, we'll move to the Sunday game, three o'clock. Bengals Bills. We talked about it mostly for the most part. We'll recap yeah. it one more time. You got the Bills. I got the Bengals for the sake of it. Yeah. Uh, again, I think home field advantage counts a lot. I think, especially, I think it's good that the Bills kind of had a sloppy game. They're like. Got all scared. You wake hopefully, up. Hopefully Your face hits the water and you're like, now nah, yeah. I gotta wake up. Hopefully they'll tighten up and, you know, play a bit more disciplined. But what it comes down to me is in the trenches, the Bengals are below average at O-line and decent at D-line. And the Bills are just elite at both sides. And it's going to be tough if the Bills get an early lead for the Bengals to stop them. I was very confident in the Bengals last week when I made my bracket. That was before John Williams went down. I was very confident in that team. Before the other guy went down as well. I was very confident in that team. I thought they would beat the, the, the Bills in this game. I had them beating the Bills. And now after the report that John Williams couldn't even walk, which I saw, it was after the game Sunday. I didn't know about the guy not being able to walk. I just saw that now here live with you here in the studio. I worry about them now in that game. I'm still going to stay with them because I had my original pick. I like Burrow a lot. I'm a big Burrow fan. I like Zach Taylor a lot. And... I think at the end of the day, I'm going to stay with that pick just because I like those guys. But uh, my confidence definitely went down with that injury. Yeah. To Jonah Williams, even more important than the other guy. But both injuries. I think it was Brown and Williams, right? Uh, just You're not going to survive many games with 
two or three offensive linemen hurt. Alex uh, Capo was hurt. And then obviously Williams being out. And Lyle yeah. Collins being already out. It's just a tough loss, which I don't even know much about Alex Kappa. I don't even know much, but just considering he's a starter, you don't have really many starters left. That's right, a, it's exactly. a loss. And it's never good for uh, your own line to be looking for chemistry in the middle of a playoff game. To tell, um, yeah. It's it's tough. And, it is. I mean, they're a very talented team. I think they'll probably score a decent amount. Um, but it's just that's that's such a tough matchup for any Definitely. team, especially the Bengals being all banged up. I would probably imagine they won some players with the tight ends have to block more than, yeah. uh, you know, Croft would have to block probably more. Tyler Croft's their, their tight end, right? So they'll probably have to block a little more than he typically would in most games, considering yeah. they probably have to slow down that Bills pass rush somehow and maybe even mix in steps up or uh, P. Ryan probably actually step up more in those plays of the pass block because they don't want to get mixed and hurt. But realistically, they're going to have to probably go max yeah. protect to some degree if, the, if those two guys were to be off. Cap were to be yeah. out and obviously uh, Jonah was being out that have to go with that. Uh, but I like Burrow more than more than I like Allen, so I'm just going to go with Burrow there. Uh, Cowboys 49ers, Sunday night, 630. <laughs> eh, it's tough. I doubted the Cowboys last week, or this week, I should mean, this this past week, while on the weekend. I was not confident. I had no confidence going into that week with Dak Prescott, which you never know the Prescott you're going to get. You pointed that out during yeah. the break. Who knows what Dak's going to be? Is Dak going to be the four touchdowns, no picks? Or is he going to be the Dak two touchdowns, three picks? Or two touchdowns, two picks? Yeah. I'm not sure. I think I'm going to go Niners in this game, but Brock Purdy has not been pressured yet in a game where he's down two touchdowns, you know, in the fourth quarter. He has to make a big play, which last week was pretty close. Obviously, with them yeah. being down at half to the Seahawks was tough, but I'm going to go Niners in this game just because I can't really pick the Cowboys. I think the Niners are the better team, but I think the Niners are at some point, I don't know if their their run's going to last just because I don't know if I have all the confidence in the world in Brock Purdy. Being, I know he's a rookie quarterback and he's playing very well right now. Don't want to take anything away from him. I love his story being Mr. Relevant and obviously getting a lot of Production being a guy that had no expectations going into the year and being a third-string quarterback. But I don't know. He hasn't really had a high-pressure situation. But what are your thoughts? I I mean, I think this is going to be the real test just because I don't think in all the games that Purdy's played, he's really faced a team with a decent pass rush. I would have to go back For the most part, you're right. You're right. I mean, the division's not really that good. Right. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, I mean, (sighs) Micah Parsons is just ridiculous. And, you know... I, it does feel like a game where all it would take is one bad sack to crack things open. <laughs> but I still can't pick against the 49ers right now. They are just, I mean, Purdy's, regardless Looking of good. Purdy's performance, I feel like they're so talented on offense. They can rely on other guys. They can make plays without, you know, relying on Purdy's arm or, you know, his confidence. And... On this, at the same time, they still have one of the most talented defenses out there, you know. And I mean, again, we don't know what Dak is going to show up. You know, I, I don't want to. I feel like if I, you know, sh- shit on him, he's going to play. He's going to turn it around. Yeah. So turn all I'll say yeah. is like, that's how it Nick works. Nick Bosa always. is the be- best defensive end in the league. I agree. So the playing across from him is very difficult, Definitely. regardless of who you are. Oh, their D-line's still good. They, they have a great yeah. D-line. And then even if you look at their secondary, it's oh, still, yeah. still good, too. Uh, all around, Fred Warner. You were the biggest fan of freshman year. You were right. Yeah. I think you said freshman year, which I said Bobby Wagner at the time was the best linebacker in the league. But you said he was the best. Fred was the best yeah. before. And you were right about that. He's he's a stud. He's a great player. Yeah. Um, if you look at it, we're talking pass rush for Purdy, who he's faced. He's 6-0 and in six starts, 7-0 and in games he's played. And he got his first chance to play December 4th when Jimmy G went down against the Dolphins. 
Then they win that game against the Dolphins on December 4th. And they've won every game since. But let me just run over the teams really quick, the pass rushes you had to face. Dolphins, Bucks, Seahawks, Commanders. Commanders are pretty good. Raiders, Max Crosby's good. Obviously, Chandler Jones said it was good of the year, but he's good. Cardinals, Seahawks. I mean, you didn't really face an elite D-line, no. but some good D-lines. And the Bucks should be better than they are. I'll say that. Yeah. They should have been better than they yeah. were. But I guess Commanders and... Yeah. Commander's probably the best D-line there, you'd yeah. say. Maybe and, the Seahawks. And, and I mean, Seahawks we, we also got to, you know... Dolphins with Bradley Chubb. I think they had Chubb at that time. Yeah, so I we guess also have to mention uh, he does have Trent Williams protecting yes. him on the side. Probably, would you say, the best left tackle? Or it's him or Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is I mean, I, he, I believe Trent Williams was the first team All-Pro. Yeah, I think they were basically 1A, 1B. Uh, about as good of a left tackle as you can have in the league. Both those guys. And opposite ends of career. End of career. Yeah, exactly. Of career, right, which is exactly. Nuts. Which is um, nuts, but both bookend left tackles. Right. I I mean, it's hard to pick against the 49ers. I agree with you. That's, I'm going to go with the Niners in this game yeah. as well. I think you got to go there. And then Giants-Eagles, we already previewed for the most part. I'm going Giants in this game, which I didn't take them to go to the Super Bowl. I have them losing that next game to the Niners in the NFC Championship just because I know last time the Giants made the playoffs, I the Giants going to the Super Bowl. I felt like that jinxed it. So I the Giants going to win a couple games in this bracket here. Uh, but I think the Giants beat the Eagles this week. They're going in after beating the Vikings. The defense playing very well, obviously, like we just talked about at the beginning of the episode. Pulling it together after a de- uh, you know, roughing the passing penalty, which was a tough call. Those are games the Giants typically lose. The slate and drop, that's a game we typically lose after the roughing the passing. We usually lose games after that. The Eagles, I know they're well-rested, but the Giants gave them a game with second and third stringers in Week 18 with players that, I mean, I follow the Giants heavily. There were plays in that game I didn't even hear, hear of for the most part. Like, there were some guys on defense which I didn't even know of yeah. playing in that game because the Giants just didn't want to risk injury, and it worked out. Staley plays all the charges, guys. Mike Williams goes out. Huge loss. Yeah. The Giants bench everyone, and it works out. I'm going to go with the Giants winning this game, and I'm fine with saying that, and I think Daniel Jones has proven that he is the top quarterback in this league. I made a bold statement in the post-game recap I did the other night, and I'm going to stand by it, and I'm going to be called crazy by most people, just like I was called crazy when I said Daniel Jones was – a top 15 quarterback last year and a top 10 going into this year. I was called crazy both times by most people, uh, even some Giants fans, not all. Um, although you always respected DJ's talents. You never you never the one coming at me about it. Uh, but I had DJ on Sunday after that game. I said top five, and I was fine saying that. Maybe top seven, lowest I would put him. But <laughs> top five just because he's my boy, but probably top seven is the lowest I'd put him. Right. Lowest. But regardless of the fact, DJ's rolling right now. The Giants are rolling right now. The Eagles have a lot more to play for in this game because the Giants are playing with house money at the end of the day. And I think the team that plays with no fear, those are the most dangerous teams to play. What do you got in this game? I am also going to pick Giants, frankly, just because I'm a Giants fan. Love it. Uh, I don't want to... I don't think it's uh, entirely a homer pick, though. I think Hurts is still a big question mark. We don't know, you know... What Hurts are you going to get? I mean, he's playing injured. We know that much. We don't know if he's going to be as mobile as he was early in the season. So I think that's a big question mark. Their all-pro right tackle is playing injured. With a brace, right, or something? Or I, don't something? Know. I don't know. I don't know what play. Lane Johnson's doing. He's playing. He's, he's playing. playing yeah. with a, so who knows? Mm-hmm. I think if Ojolari plays, if everyone plays, they get a couple of good breaks. You know, they limit turnovers. I... I think this is a winnable game, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and again, you know, it's hard to beat the same team three times. Definitely. Um, I think the most, you know, the most comparable situation would be, I believe in 2007, uh, the Giants lost twice to the Cowboys in the regular season. 
and then beat them in the playoffs. Or it might have been 2011. I'd have to check. I think it was 20, 2007. I think it was 2007. Okay. It can happen. Because 2011, happen. Victor Cruz that, got that great touchdown at the sidelines on right. New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. So I think it was 20, 2007. We also I lost think. the Patriots right. before the Super Bowl exactly. in 2007. It, you know, them. it does happen. It can happen. And I think the last few weeks, the Giants have looked like on another level. I think... Even that Vikings game that we lost, we played incredibly well, I think. Definitely. Against a, a more talented team. And, I, I mean, basically every team we've played has been more talented besides maybe the Colts. Yeah, for the most part. Right. Roster-wise, I mean, we really yeah. came into this year with no expectations. Yeah, and... We'd have no caps. We had I think no caps base. they've played disciplined. They've made the big plays at the right time. I think... This is, I mean, I think the set, what, seven and a half is the line seven on I think that's an entirely fair line. The Eagles minus seven. Um, I'm still going to pick the Giants. I'm a Giants fan. Yeah, uh, huge. I think they have an opportunity if things uh, go their way with regards to injuries. Love it. I'm with you there in the Giants pick. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game, though. No yes. matter what happens, I think we're going to be in it, and the pressure's on them. Yes, and actually, I do want to make one more point about the 49ers-Cowboys game. I do not trust McCarthy at all. I think he's a bad coach. Yep. I think, frankly, he held down Rodgers for almost a decade. I don't want to put it all on him. You know, Rodgers certainly has a share in the blame, but frankly, any other coach who goes a decade with Aaron Rodgers and only wins one Super Bowl. Probably has three, three Super Bowls. Maybe yeah, would have three I, Super I mean, Bowls with Rodgers. I agree. It's, it's hard to have con- – not that I'm, like, a giant fan of Shanahan or whatever, but, like – it's hard to have confidence in, in Mike McCarthy to show up in a, in a big game. Definitely. <laughs> time up. That's something McCarthy. You'd think a coach that's been coaching the league for so long with no time the clock management, it's, when to call timeouts, and know yeah. when to, okay, let's maybe kick the field goal, let's maybe go, yeah. for the, you know, go for two, whatever it may be. Go for it on fourth down, let's not go for it, let's punt it. He doesn't have that no. awareness. And, and, he I doesn't. Feel, and I feel like his teams have a tendency to uh, lose the thread in tough situations. Like, I feel like... There's been a lot of talented Packers teams that have almost gotten there, and then things just don't go their way. Thirteen win teams, and three they, straight years, and they unwind. Yeah, it's like they and that was even with the first couple times they've won twelve or thirteen games, eleven games, most of their right. wins in the last six, seven years. Yeah, I mean, just didn't get anywhere. I mean, this year didn't. Yeah, win sort of like but. the Colts with Peyton Manning, but I mean, the Colts with Peyton Manning were more successful. We're a competitive team always yeah. too. Yeah, which the Packers for the most part they were always good, but that. Playoff game last year, they just didn't show up. They put 10 points on the Niners, I think it was. Yeah, they used 10 points was... with the best offense in the league with Devontae yeah. Adams and Aaron with, Jones. Yeah, I, there was no excuse. Arguably, which Rodgers was MVP last year, two yeah. straight years. Best quarterback in the league last year, maybe top three. Mahomes probably would still yeah. take over. But either way, regardless, top three quarterback, the number one wideout in my eyes, Devontae Adams, maybe top three in most eyes. And then Aaron Jones is top yeah. four to five to six back in the league, talent-wise. Like, and... Being backed up by A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> Our boy. Our boy B.C. Eagle there. But that's the thing, though. That team should have won more. Last year I, last year could have been the Super Bowl win. It should Devontae Adams last year. I mean... That was without McCarthy, but right. regardless, last year was the Super Bowl win. And then they also had a year in 2016 against the Giants. That roster was elite. Yeah. When they beat the Giants in that playoff game, that roster was elite, and they yeah. fell short. That team yeah. actually I mean, might have even been better than the team last they, year before. The, mid, the mid-2010s Packers had a bunch of opportunities to win. They were... Talent, teams that were more talented than this current Cowboys roster and couldn't get it done, couldn't even make the Super Bowl. Frankly, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I'm with you there. I would probably say, I don't know, if I had to put a score prediction on it, I think they'll still be in the game, but I think if it comes out of a close game, I don't think the, the Cowboys, if the Cowboys want to win, they have to win by like 10 or more. If it's within one possession, I think they yeah. can win that. Uh, which probably hasn't been in a situation yet where it's like that, but 
I have more confidence about that. I probably would Dak at this point, even though Dak did prove me wrong last night in Monday Night Football. Uh, I would probably go Cowboys winning that game by, I mean, not Cowboys, Niners, excuse me here, not the Cowboys, reboot, re- rewind there. I'm going to go the Niners winning that game, though, but I think it's going to be a close game, competitive. Yeah. 34-31, type of something like that. But, I, I could see like a, a 31 28. Uh, no, that's 31, too, 24. That, no, that's a little too close. Uh, <laughs> 31, 20? Uh, yeah, 31, 23, we'll say. And Maher with the extra points, four missed extra points last night. I, that's actually a worry. Would you say that, it's a worry? I, would, I, I think it's a worry. Even I think it has to be. Like, and, it's, and he's been almost perfect this year. Right? He was. Like, he was a great kicker in the regular season. And he's been good for the last few years. But I think in the playoffs... I don't have to make a quick adjustment change like right now and make a change. You, can't, kicker, bench, but you can't bench him. That's like, like, you can't bench him because you have all concept during the season. But here's the thing. Every point in the playoffs matters. Yeah. Last night it did because you were up by four no, possessions no. with three minutes to go with three possessions. That's a, that's a miracle situation. It's like they're not going to get those breaks. Well, I guess the Niners, Niners, a team that's good all around on offense, yes. defense, and well coached. You're not going to get that. Yeah. Cowboys are a real enigma. Um, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I we'll think, see. We'll see what happens in the game. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, right before we close, which I wanted to talk a little Knicks, which we don't get, we don't yeah, go crazy with it. We'll touch on them just for a second. Maybe touch on the Yankees for a second as well. Uh, which I always do this, which we'll do this at the end, the last thing. Which all my friends that have come in, I've had them say their top three, which you're not from Boston, we're going to go New York, which we had Dan, Dan here once. Dan did his top three New York slash New Jersey athletes. Uh, your top three favorite New York athletes, whatever it may be, current or, you know, past. You don't got to do that now, just think of it, because I know wow. it usually takes a few minutes time to think. So, that, have that in the back of your mind. But let's talk, we'll start with the Knicks, just really quick. Seven of their last ten, seven and three in their last ten, playing very good basketball now. For a team that was shaky at one point in the middle of the season, yeah. which you actually called one of their win streaks at one point. They won, like, what was it, ten or eleven in a row? I think it was eight. Eight in a row, was it? Okay, eight in a row. Uh, I think it was like eleven out of twelve, though. It was something yeah, it was really, good, it was, it was it was a great a run. Stretch. They've been a streaky team. Uh, but, Let's talk. We talked about it on the way in, actually, on the way to the studio. Brunson, Randall, A.J. Barrett, all three of them playing good basketball right now. A.J. Barrett averaged 22 points a game over his last 22 games. He's I think been, it's 21.6. He's been playing pretty well. 38% from three. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really been a team effort. Quentin Grimes did not start the year as a starter. Now he's basically starting. Yeah, he's a player. He's been huge. And, I mean, R.J.'s been frustrating, but I will say that um, the last few games, I've been pleasantly surprised because he's been taking less shots because frankly I think they're at their best when they're spreading the ball around because they've got so many scoring options between Randall and Brunson and now that Grimes has emerged as a legit starter like I think RJ doesn't have to be taking 20 shots a game you know if he finds his three-point shot again which I think he will at some point you know he's coming off an injury I think he maybe, you know, he moves back into being the number one shot taker. But, like, right now I think they're in a good spot where, you know, Randall's sort of the number one, but they're spreading the ball around. You know, their bench guys are getting good minutes. I think they're in a good spot. Definitely. Um, I mean, they're in the sixth seed in the East right now. Right. And if you look at the East right now. The East is tough. The East is tough, it's but there's tough. some teams that are underperforming, right? Like. Yeah. The Heat, underperforming. The heat, heat I mean, they're 24-21, yeah. but I thought they were going to be Hawks. two or three in the East. Yeah. Hawks are underperforming. Raptors. Raptors even. Yeah. Um, a lot of teams actually, you know, they're that Hawks definitely are underperforming because people have them as a two or three or four seed if they made that DeJounte yeah. Murray trade and just aren't there. But to evaluate where the Knicks are right now, though, they're in a great position, I think. I think. I think they're great yeah. position. Considering they're six seed right now and they were, they yeah. lost four in a row, one point over break. Yeah, I think. The, the joke going into the season was that the Knicks had paid a lot of money to just miss the playoffs, which 
I think was a possibility, but I, I think at this point the team has at least proven that they're going to be in the playoffs. I think they'll be in it. To say. And even if they were to be a seven or an eight, they're going to win the play-in. I think you know they'll be in the playoffs. I agree yeah. with you there. Um, depending because they're all separate by the game, just about you know they're the six seed, and the twelve is separated by four and a half games. So yeah, still actually I mean, not a bad really stretch though. The one, the one to five in the East are pretty far removed from the rest. Yeah, they're yeah three one yeah. I so, was, I think the Heat should be there talent wise. They just I mean, Bam's yeah. one of the best forwards in the league, power forwards in the league, centers. I mean, I, you know, yeah, by the four or five, he's one of the best in the league. Jimmy Butler is just an electric player once it comes to playoffs, and Tyler Hero obviously is. He was a cold shooter. I watched uh, the game yesterday. He was like one of eight for three in his yeah. first thing in the fourth quarter or whatever. I was like, they're, that's unlike him. They're a weird team because I feel like most teams in the NBA are sort of built for the regular season and yeah. then they sort of don't yeah. have the ten, don't have the right mix for the playoffs. Yep. I feel like the Heat are the opposite where they have a p- bunch of players who's due to their skill set are are able to perform well in the playoffs, but like doesn't necessarily translate in the regular season. Definitely. Like, I don't know. The coaching also too is co- he's built coaching. to win in the playoffs. He's yeah. always, they're always going to run. I don't know. It's Spolstra. He's I, a great coach. I love Spolstra. Yeah, they're. Uh, I don't know. I think it's I think an odd if, team. If the they, they make they if that. they make the playoffs, which right now they are on track to do, they are scary just because it's Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I would agree. They're with a scary you. combo. You know, I wouldn't want to face them. Jimmy uh, walks in the playoffs. Yeah. He walks in and just goes and, off. Yeah, and he just has like he he has one of the weirdest skill sets of like a current shooting guard because it's like he doesn't have a great three-point shot. Not a great shooter, no. But he can re- he can hit shots from anyone on the court. He's a great defender. Like, he he has the perfect skill set. Smart player. Yeah, he has the perfect team. skill set to carry a team through a tough playoff game, but he does not have the perfect skill set to carry a mediocre team into the playoffs. Definitely. He's not like a Luka is, yeah. where he's going to be getting 35 points a game. I would agree with you there. I would agree with you. Uh, we'll talk Celtics for one second. Yeah, of course. Celtics won, have won seven in a row. We talk, I talked Clippers, too. I mean, Clippers have you know, not been playing great basketball. Oh, man, but uh, Celtics have won seven in a row. I do think, which I thought the Celtics, which we talked about before, when they were shooting 40% from three, I still think they're too reliant on the three ball. I think come playoffs, you, which a seven-game series, you're probably not going to be cold from three, four games out of seven, realistically. You'll probably shoot roughly 35 38% from three, but they still put up a lot of threes every game. Yeah. But Robert Williams coming back has been huge to that team in the paint. Blake Griffin was getting starting minutes basically at one point, like a month and a half ago, and Robert Williams was out, and Al Horford was out. And the team's rolling, but if you look at the East, though, teams have caught up. The Nets have caught up. I know Durant's out, but the Nets have caught up. The Bucs even. I mean, Middleton still, like, I don't know what the situation is there, but... They're in a funk. I I think they've... uh, The Celtics, I mean, they've just been rolling. You know, they had a little bit of a slide in the middle. They had a stretch. They They lost a few games. They a slide, but... I mean, compared well, to... Well, the, they lost five out of six games at one point. I almost lost to the Lakers. I was at one win in that yeah. road trip. They lost to the of Clippers and the Kings. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. The Lakers somehow... They were up in that game. The Celtics were up by, like, I think 20 at half or something. The Lakers went on, like, a 42-12 to 12 run, which I sent you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this it's a three-point game with, you know, 15 seconds ago, Jason Hayden's a three to tie the game and it went to OT. And then, you know, the Celtics ended up winning an OT. But... In the East, though, I mean, like you said, that one through five is ridiculous. I think the Cavs right now, though, if I had to pick, I'd go Bucks, Cavs in the East. That's not a disrespect on the Celtics. I just think if you look at those two teams, the Bucks, Giannis, who's going to cover Giannis on the Celtics? I, I still don't know. 
Uh, I mean, it's I know they beat them last year, but that was without Middleton. If you add yeah. Middleton to that lineup and that build and how strong they are yeah. and tall, that I, it's I a still, lengthy lineup. I still like the Bucks. The only concern I have with the Cavs is defense. They're starting two undersized guards. That's like, it's tough to do. The reason you they know? do is because they can score so well. Right. So that's I mean, they do it, but that's the thing. They're an elite scoring team. Like, and I mean, you're I've, right. You know, Donovan Mitchell has been incredible this year, but it is tough to do that in the playoffs. You know, I just like I just like that team as well. Yeah. But I think the Celtics. I think the Celtics Bucks right now. If you had to pick, but the Nets are a wild card team though, because if if you get Kevin Durant fully healthy, which I know they banged up yeah. and lost two in a row without him, but you get Kevin Durant fully healthy. That team could they any are, team with Kevin Durant can right. go. Any yeah. Kevin Durant put him alongside anyone. He's. And I know last year the players. He's one of the greatest. Yeah. He is one of the best ever. I would. I would agree with you there. Uh, look at the Western Conference really quick. You talked about Luca, the Mavs being twenty four and twenty one with really just him for the most. I think some good yeah. pieces around, a couple pieces, but I mean Reggie Bullock is, is taking some shots in the fourth quarter. Like I mean, and you don't really want him taking some th- some big threes. Uh, but considering they really only have. Luca, and then they have a couple other pieces that can score. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, Luca is that one being the five seed there, and the Clippers being the six. Which I don't know. We're talking Clippers and Warriors because they were my one and two seeds going into this year. Which <laughs> Clippers are the six, Warriors are the seven. The Clippers, I would blame injuries. I would blame injuries, right? But they had every guy healthy at one point and was still losing games. games. I don't so know. I can't even blame it. Right now, you can I guess blame injuries considering I mean the three and seven in the last ten and. Paul George's been out now for three or four games. John Wall's out for the next two weeks. Nick Matum is in and out of the lineup. Luke Kennard's hurt. I would blame injuries, but I think the team's broken, and I love Tyron Lue. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. But with that roster, with fully he- fully healthy roster, they're losing games, and he's sitting Robert Covington, yeah. nineteen of the, or 18 of the first 39 games of the year, just DNP, yeah. did not play. And then also, you're not playing Terrence Mann in the fourth quarter against the Celtics, and they played four minutes in the first half. And, and Terrence Mann now starts, and he had 31 points yesterday yeah, or two I days agree. ago. Just they're, he doesn't know what he's doing. I think it's too deep of a roster. That's the, the problem. They're a weird roster. They've got a lot of sort of guys who can play the two to the four that the have center, to be fit yeah. together in, like, the perfect way. And, like, it's not a tough – it's not an, uh, an easy situation to manage, especially considering how often guys are getting injured. But uh, considering how poorly the rest of the West has done, especially like the guys who we thought would be contenders, like there's no excuse for them being this bad. I would agree with you. I think you you hit it dead on. They can really they have a t- kind of ton of guys that can cover that two through four. It's that center position. They only yeah. have Zoo. I mean, and Zubox played well. He's, he's, been he's one solid. Of That's all they got. Players. They only got Zoo. That's really about it. And he even in that Celtics game a few weeks ago, he had five fouls with I think it was like six minutes ago. I get I get benching him maybe for two minutes. He didn't come back into a minute after going. Rob Williams was just wreaking havoc, or was it? No, Rob actually came in right around the same time as him to come back in. I think it might have been Horford. Someone was wreaking havoc in the paint. Yeah, and, and you, you need a big guy in there. He's the only guy over seven foot on the roster, really. So, I don't know. I think the Clips need to make some changes. They'll probably make a trade out of Magic because they have too much depth, and maybe that's a reason some guys aren't getting minutes. Because it's at some points in the game you're going to have fully healthy Paul George. Reggie Jackson was the starter. Now he's actually been a DNP. He's playing now because John Wall's out. But you probably have Terrence Mann, Paul George, Luke Kennard, yeah. Kawhi Lennon, Kawhi and, and, and Zoo. Zoo. Or, or, or Batum, whether it may right. be in there. And Robert Covington on the bench, Norman Powell on the bench, yeah. John Wall on the bench when he's healthy. It's a messy roster. The team's too deep. I think that's the problem. Yeah. I, I thought it was a plus, but I think it might be a negative. And honestly, at this point, it's like, who's the ball handler? Terrence Mann. He's, a, he's really a shooting guy, small forward, right. and it's he's like, now the new they've got, they've primary got ball handle. They've got all these shooting, like, guys who are, like, shooting guard, small forwards, but they've really got no great 
No true point guys. No I think true. John Wall is he's well, a player, option, but, he, but it's like he likes to shoot more than he likes to pass. Although he did have some in the early middle of the year, he had some really big games. He had 15 assists one game, but John Wall's not a consistent scorer either. They should have signed Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Yeah, let's go for it. Hey, it worked out. If they had the money. I don't know if they You were right. But they didn't. They barely got John not. Wall on a mid-level exception, like a, yeah. like a minimum they got him at. I, I think uh, they made a couple poor roster decisions, which led them to this point, uh, which is unfortunate because I think they're a fun team with a lot of talent. But I'm just, not giving up completely. But no, it's not just, yet. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, as the Warriors, though, 22 and 22, and look at their away record. 5 and 17 away, but 17 and 5 at home. They played the Celtics on Thursday, so that'd be a great game in Boston. Yeah. I don't know about the Warriors because I think a lot of people have counted them out when they were, I think it was like 0-11 on the road. But considering if you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson healthy, I mean, they're gonna, they're, they'll are gonna they make a run in the Western Conference, I'm sure, too. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll still be fine. As, 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 long as, as long as Steph's healthy, I'm never counting the Warriors out. Um, I would agree with you. I will just, you know, it's they're getting older. And, you know, it's like... Clay's How many more come, runs do they have? Yeah, Clay's coming off an injury. You know, Draymond's not... He's still a great player, but not at the same level he used to be. And, you know, the rest of the roster isn't, you know, terrible, but by itself, I don't think is going to carry them to like a high seed. But I, I could him. easily see them slipping, you know, like what? They're the yeah. seventh seed now. Seventh seed right sneaking now, up to the five or six. And I agree with trouble. you. But we got to talk about the Kings. Kings. We got to talk just about pointed at them just so you want to say it. Here's the thing, but they made that trade for Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis, and Buddy Hill was obviously included in that deal. A lot of people are against the trade. I understand it. Halliburton's a great player. He can even triple-double just about any night he wants to, right? He's a great player, but you have to make a decision. The Kings had to make a decision. We have Davion Mitchell as probably the backup point guard. He's a first-round pick out of Baylor. He's not going to be the guy. I mean, he's on the team, though, but he's not going to be the starting point guard. De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. You're picking yep. between the two of them, realistically. Yep. You can have both of them in the same game. For the, I mean... Both of them, they ran lineups of both of them, and even with Davian Mitchell, it was really didn't work those three gun lineups. You had to make a decision. You already paid De'Aaron Fox. Do you want to go all in on De'Aaron, a guy you drafted, he's your longest tenured player? Yeah. Go all in on De'Aaron and build a franchise around him, or Halliburton, who was good last year, but he wasn't proven like De'Aaron was, at least, because De'Aaron averaged 24 a game last year, and, and even the year before, he was, was getting better every year scoring-wise. And even shooting-wise, he's getting better, which De'Aaron's never been the best shooter. Like Jimmy Butler, you're not really going to expect yeah. him to shoot 35 40% from three, but if he has a great night, you know, he can shoot well. But... Yeah, was a bit of mid-range and driver. But yeah. that trade for Sabonis, everyone was against it. I was with it because you look at their who their their big men were. It was yeah. Mohamed Bagley. Yeah. Mohamed Bagley was their big man. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to get a guy that can get you some boards and also cover a guy like Jokic, which Sabonis, he's a good defender, but he, his ability on offense. That's really That's good. what that team needed. De'Aaron needed a guy to pick and roll with. He yes. needed that. I mean, that's honestly, that's what I like so much about this combo. Is like, it's such a classic point guard big man combo. It's like... You got your guy who can run the pick and roll. You've got this guy who's just—he's a classic drive to the basket, kick it out guy. It's like they are just a fun team to watch. The concern is since getting Sabonis, their lineups have been among the worst defensively. It's odd. It's an odd lineup. Like Harrison Barnes, yes. the th- it's three, a but he's a four. Like right. it's and obviously Rashawn Holmes is good, but I, you yeah, know, I, they're they're a weird lineup. But like just the combo of Aaron Fox. And Sabonis, it's such a good combo. They have such natural chemistry in the way they play. Like Definitely. it's just a great combo. I and love. We've been fans of Darren Fox. Oh, since forever. freshman year, we were since talking he was about drafted. him. We were with him freshman year. We we're big fans. And uh, finally, since the start. 
he's getting the respect he deserves. And the Kings, I mean, 24-18 being where they're at, 7-3, and and they've won four in a row now. Best team in California. Best team in California. I mean, right now, yeah. (laughs) Imagine the Warriors probably wake up, which I don't think they're going to – I don't know. I mean, even if they were to jump up there, the Kings where they're at right now is elite. But, yeah, the lake is a toast, and I don't know if the Clippers really are going to get up there. We'll see. I mean, it's it's a long season. It's a long season. I would agree. Right now they are the best team in California. Uh, And that's the thing with – I think with that Kings team, they have a great lineup. I'd say offensively too. I mean, they can yeah. shoot, shoot out the gym. Malik, uh, Malik Monk can yeah. can drill threes. I mean, I love having him and De'Aaron. Speaking about Jamal Chase being with Burrow, and then obviously having Travis Etienne with Trevor Lawrence. You have yeah. Malik Monk and De'Aaron yeah. Fox, best friends in college, uh, and we're college teammates being on the same team. So offensively, they score a ton of points and. I mean, even in clutch moments, they play good defense as well. But I would agree the lineup combinations aren't the best. But maybe figure that out over the season. Yeah, Brown's a great coach. Maybe figure that out. I mean, and I think I, they, I think they have enough flexibility that they could maybe make a trade or like a small or small signings to like figure that out. I don't think it's like they're locked in in the same way the Clippers are. I would agree with you. Yeah, which is really the Clippers crazy. are win now mode. They're right. in win now like mode. The, Clip, the Clippers they're, can't, they're don't really have the flexibility with their roster that the Kings do. So and the Kings have a future. I mean, honestly, right. the, the Clippers probably realistically got to win in the next two years, right? Two to three years with Paul George and Kawhi, I'd imagine. Like, yeah, two years, and then and then after that, five years with the Clippers are going to be a toast. But those guys are getting old too. <laughs> that's the thing; those guys are getting old. I think the Clippers five years now from a, to- a toast, probably. I mean, you know, we'll see who's still there, Terrence yeah. Mann and stuff. But considering what they have now, that team's built to win right now. Norman Powell, Robert Covington, uh, Nick Batum, yeah, I mean, Zoo, John they're all, Wall, they're primarily players Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, seven or eight of those guys we just named. Besides Luke Kennard, even Reggie Jackson, he's built to win now because yeah. he's not going to play probably in five years. Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, two of, if not the only players on that team, and Brandon Boston starting to get some minutes. Yeah. But three of those guys there, Amir Coffey, maybe, and it was a G League guy, two-way player, gets some minutes every now and then, even started... Uh, on Sunday, they play tonight against, I think it's the Rockets. Or they just play the Rockets, the Clippers. Um, but considering the way that team's going, they play the Sixes tonight. Uh, considering where that team's going, we just named nine guys that are in win now mode in the next two to three years. Yeah. So you got to win now with that team. And I think it ultimately comes down to getting health and then maybe figuring out the lineups. I don't know, but... We'll see. We'll see, but... It's funny, we haven't even talked about the top teams in the last... The Nuggets, talking, the Grizzlies, I was going to say, we've just been talking the about... The average teams. Yeah. The Mavs, the Clippers, and the Warriors we got I, I, into. I, mean, I, I have to be honest, looking at the West, like, I don't see any of these teams taking on the Celtics or the Bucks. I I would you probably know, agree like, with you there. In a seven-game series, seven-game series, I'd still I, take and those I love, teams. I love Jokic. I mean, he's... Stud. One of the most fun players to watch. Like, probably one of the most unique players we've ever seen. Talent level is just offensively, defensively. Just he can do anything he needs. What incredible! I don't know if the Nuggets have enough talent around him to win it all. I would love to see it. I think it, it, here's the thing. I watched that game against the Clippers where they blew the Clippers. They're up thirty-five and a half. They win that game by thirty-three or forty and a half. Whatever it was, it was a ridiculous night. Uh, that was actually a turning point for me in the season. Clippers. Oh, yeah. I was like this team, which it was a turning point in my opinion of the Nuggets too. Because other than the Nuggets, I think they're a good team, just like you were saying. I still don't know if they can win an NBA Finals this year, which obviously for. For the Joker, obviously, you'd, you'd hope because he's such a great talent. You want those yeah. guys to win. Just like Giannis, you, you want to yeah. see greatness win. But I don't know. I, I thought that that game for the Clippers, I think that was a turning point because you had everyone playing and no one cared except Terrence Mann. No yeah. one cared. And the Nuggets were shooting threes just out the yeah. gym. Jamal Murray was drilling threes. Yeah. Bones Highland was drilling threes. Uh, Jokic, I mean, he even shoot, 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 shoot. He only had yeah. five or six points that game. He even shot a couple, yeah. a couple, a couple nice you know, shots. And it was a tough game. And... I, don't know, I think that was a turning point, in my opinion, of the Nuggets, too, because I thought they were just a good team. I thought the Clippers 
had the better lineup, but the Clips could not run with them in, in transition. And that's another yeah. thing. The Clips are getting older, too, which they're not really a transition team anymore, the Clippers. No, no. Which, which is two years ago I mean, could have been. A, but you know. Could have been different two years ago because they were high-flying in that 2021 I West Coast Finals Kawhi, run. But Kawhi and Paul George in their prime were like two of the most athletic guys in the NBA. Best two-way players in the league, but, too. Best two two-way players. Know. But uh, in one of the team we want to mention here, I want to mention the Grizzlies, John Morant, 10 in a row. You see that dunk the other night? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Dude, I don't even know how... How do you go that far back but not lose the ball? It's how do you not how do you go that far back in a game too? It's like even yeah. doing it in warm-ups would be nuts like in a layup yeah. line, but that team's that team might be legit, honestly. Which yeah. I don't know if it's enough to win the Amy Finals right now, but I think they're a legit team to, to win a series or two yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, they, they have a lot of they have a, a lot, lot of, of space young talent. To Desmond Payne's good. Uh, Jaron Jackson, both of them probably yeah, grow yeah. the next year or two. Which John made a huge dump from. If you look at what John was his rookie year to now, year like one, two or three years year now. Year one to year two even was huge. huge and then yeah. two to three is even bigger. And, and look at him now. I don't know if that team is win the NBA Finals right now, but I think they can at least win a series or two. Which yeah. last year it was without Ja, they were somehow winning some games. But you knew that team wasn't really the team they were now. Yes. 30 and 13 in the West being tied for the first seed with the Nuggets. I'm not going to say too much about Pelicans. Although I will say that if Zion is healthy. That's a difference. Big if. I do think they are the best team in the West. I think they are probably my pick to win the West. I think just one through five, they've got so much talent, and I I struggle to see another team putting it together enough in the playoffs to stop them. Think about how good they are right now, right? We're looking at yeah. this team that's 26-18. Right. You add Zion. Right. And Which, I mean, but I, mean, I don't know what his timeline it, is really. That's, I mean, you never know with that guy. With, with those types of plays, you never know. Paul George is out. You know if it's a one week exactly. thing or four weeks or which six is, weeks. It's just frustrating because it's like it's not Zion's fault that he's you know that he's the size Injury, he is. It's just that it's big. Like, yeah. It's like you know, it's not like he's out of shape or anything. He's just the a luck. freakishly large man. The luck of you it. Know, it's, it's such a terrific talent, though. Yeah. But we did give a whole breakdown of the NBA, which I loved. Yeah. Um, which we talk Yankees again, or do you want to just jump in and just talk to? Say three athletes. Uh, Talk games for a second if you want. It's up to you. Nah, we'll call it to we'll, we'll t- th- yeah, Save we should, something? We should call it. I think, save, I we'll think, save something. Yeah, we, we, we have a great run over here. Yeah. We'll do an MLB preview maybe whenever we get some more yeah. signings. Maybe in a couple weeks or two. And the last of, which is not many free agents left, but then the last of everything's over with and you're looking at Ross's right for spring training. We can do something. Right. But uh, So, which I did with all my friends, three favorite hometown athletes. My three were all Boston guys. Um, Isaiah Thomas was I can't remember if he's first or second. It was Manny Ramirez, Isaiah Thomas, and then I had I forget who the third one was. Let me try to remember here. Alex Verdugo, because I had a current Very player good. and I had I had some Very old players picks, too. Yeah. I had some old players in there too. I love Verdugo. I had a current player as my favorite. Then a just legend and Manny. And then one in the last five years. It could be any it could be three current right. or pass, but three Yankees, Giants, Knicks, whatever it may be. I'm gonna Pick one from each sport, try to mix it up a little Respect bit. So it. we'll start with Carmelo Anthony. A lot of Knicks fans don't have a super high opinion of Carmelo Anthony. Love Mello. I love Melo. He made the team relevant for the only point they've been relevant in my life up until now. Uh, made the playoffs, but also New York sports legend took Syracuse to a national championship and won. Drove it. Love, love the orange. So he's got to be one of my favorites. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with CC Sabathia. Nice. He's, I like uh, that. I like that. Not exactly. You know, he's not a lifer like most Yankee uh, legends are, but I mm-hmm. think great player, you know, last World Series. He was a key member yep. of it. Um, incredible story, recovering from alcoholism and having a late career resurgence. I mean, just an inspiring guy. And, I mean, picking Giants is tough. 
Uh, it's hard. That, it's, that was my tough thing. I had to do that. I just did hometown teams, which technically the Giants are my hometown team, technically. <laughs> I, didn't, I was never a Patriots fan. So next time I do it, I'll fix yeah, it. It's hard to go wrong with uh, Strahan. You know? Legend. Love Strahan. Greatest defensive end to ever play for the Giants. Uh, super cool dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had family friends that have met him and said that he's just as cool in real life as he is on TV. Um, and team captain. Uh, heart of the yeah. 2007. 2007. I was just gonna say 2007. Team. I yeah. mean, what more could you ask for? And obviously molded Justin Tuck that player that he was yep. in 2011. Tuck was there. Both. Yeah, I mean the father so, of that great defensive line with O.C. Minora and Justin Kiwanuka. Tuck. Kiwanuka. Kiwanuka. Yep. Matthias Kiwanuka, former BC Eagle too. He I did not. He went to BC. Yeah. Kiwanuka. Actually, you know what? Uh, honorable mention: uh, Chris Snay, also BC Eagle, BC and. Guy. Son-in-law of Tom Coughlin. He is. He is yeah. legend. And he thinks he's an offensive assistant or something at BC. So oh. now this year, I think they signed him to something uh, right before last season, right before this past season. So I'll see him yeah. here, like maybe September or August. But yeah, we're uh, gonna, legend. If, if either of us run into him on campus, we'll be begging him to come on. We should. We should. <laughs> we should. Uh, I never saw him on campus. I saw him at one of the games where, like, some of the staff members, like, walk up to maybe, like, I don't know where the box is or um, our OCs are calling plays. I don't know. We walk yeah. to the stands and just like walk by, but it was mid game, like right for half. I was like, I'm not gonna bother him, dude. He's probably yeah. just, he's got he he's got to do his job. Yeah, you know, the, BC wasn't winning the game too no, much. No. It was it was against Duke. We were losing. So I was like, you know what? We're not gonna win the game. No, it didn't no. look like a good month. Not, so. not a good time to bother him. He's got to focus. Shout uh, out Chris Snead, though. Snead, the legend. Shout out the Giants. Honestly, shout out all, all BC plays and played for the Giants. Yeah. Andre Williams, John Hillam is a good a good amount of them. Uh, Chris Snead, Mark Herzlick, it's another one there. Yeah. A good amount Tom of them. Coughlin. Tom Coughlin, legend. Legend. Yeah. BC legend in coaching. I mean, he's one of the best co- co- uh, NFL coaches ever, too, I would say. Tom Coughlin as I well. Think I up think he's, there. he's up there. I mean, he beat Belichick twice in the Super Bowl. So, can't discredit that. Yeah. Can't, can't do it. But, Dylan, thank you so much for coming. It was a pleasure talking sports for, uh, thanks for an hour and 53 minutes. Jeez. Think about that. I mean, we Time do it for lunch for like an hour and a half, usually yeah. an hour and 15 minutes. But, hour and 52, here we are. This is what we do every single time we get lunch. Just no agenda, just talk sports. Yeah. Come in and we just talk sports. So, Dylan, yeah. pleasure having you come on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate it. You'll be back on again anytime you want. All so right. thanks for having studio's me. Studio's always here. Thank you, Dylan. And thank you guys, everyone, for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Going to give a few quick shout-outs like I always do. Shout-out to the Keith family. Shout-out to the Loftus family. Thank you guys for always listening. Shout-out to Auntie Lisa. Shout-out to my whole family, all of you guys listening all the time, my family and friends. I appreciate it. Shout-out to the O'Malley family. Uh, it does mean a lot. You guys always listening in. So thank you. As always, I'll be back on probably next week, which I'm not really sure. My schedule has been flipping around. Last semester was all over the place, but I think I should be Tuesday, 7 o'clock. So anytime Tuesday, 7, anything happens, you want to come in and talk to Dale, you're more than welcome. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. Take care and stay safe. Thank you.